Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show. This is episode 101, and I am truly, truly excited about tonight's show. And I promise you, you will be inspired. For tonight, first and foremost, this is what our topic will be. We will be discussing faith-based Christian literature. I repeat, faith-based Christian literature. Also, we do have a focus word for this evening. Our focus word will be self-publishing. Self-publishing. And one more thing, as always, each week we have a special guest as the feature artist in the spotlight. And for tonight's episode, episode 101, we indeed are privileged on this panel, the panel of the Exceptional Scribble Show, to have with us a very special lady. And because this is Women's History Month, I am so very glad that this very special lady accepted our invitation to be the feature artist in the spotlight. Now I will introduce to you who this special lady is. I know some of you are probably aware because you have seen the postings on social media. But for those of you who are tuning in who did not get a chance to review the posters and the flyer announcements that were posted on social media, here's the information that you need to know. Reverend and Dr. Ah Celerine Lang. And one more thing, she does have a middle name. Her name her middle name is Desakejo and she is the CEO of Desakejo Publishing and Dr. Ash Shellarine Lang is the newly appointed president of the Heart to Heart Board of Directors. She is a prolific author, preacher, and professor. She is a wife, mother, and grandmother. And I might add, she's a grandmother, but if you look at her, she looks so very young (laughs) to be a grandmother, ladies and gentlemen. And that is truly a mark of good living. She is well-preserved. Dr. Lang is the CEO of Desicajo Publishing and author of, listen closely, Does Love Cover That? Question mark. The Healing Process of the Fruit of the Spirit. Does Love Cover That? The Workbook, Finding Me, A Woman's Theology of Self-Identification. Beside the still waters, having faith even when. And 
the chick on the side from the heart of the wife. These are all books. These are all published books by Dr. Lang, ladies and gentlemen. And one more thing, Dr. Lang is the National Director of Training for Healing Communities. And as I did announce at the beginning, she is a reverend, ladies and gentlemen. We indeed, we indeed, of the panel of the Exceptional School Show, myself, host, Sage, the poet, and my co-host, whom will be joining I believe she's joining us at about 9 tonight, 9 p.m., Queens of Port Thelman. She will be joining us, and we will further discuss, of course, publishing tonight. And she will be giving publishing tips. So make sure, for those of you tuning in, make sure that you have your pens, pencils, whatever writing tools you need And for those of you who are using iPad, just make certain that you have them ready and set in place for you to take notes. And for those of you who are in the chat room, welcome. Welcome to all in the chat room. Thank you for joining tonight. And for those of you who are not aware, if you visit the TalkShoe server of this show, which is www.talkshoe.com, dot com and our show's ID number is one three three one nine three. You will find the information that you need so that you can join the chat room because we definitely have the chat room open. And it is always it is always a pleasure to chat with you. I have some information available to you as well in the chat room. Ladies and gentlemen, please do Review it, and that is just information so that we are all on the same page tonight so that you're aware of who's joined us in the spotlight, whom our special guest and feature artist is, and a little information about her. Feel free to call in. I'm going to give that call-in number. It's 724-444-7444. I repeat, 724-444-7444. 7444. And the show's ID number again is 133193. 133193. And before I turn on the spotlight, onto our feature artist whom is already here, already joined us. She's joined us tonight and she's awaiting us to invite her to speak. Before I invite her to speak, we're going to hear a song which does pay tribute to the human spirit, especially the human spirit of women. And that song is entitled, Still I Rise. And I want to play this song in dedication to our feature artist in the spotlight, Reverend Dr. Shell Ah, I'm sorry, Ah, Shell Irene Desicado Lang. Still I rise, Yolanda Evans.
Still I Rise by Yolanda Adams. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, I am now rolling the red carpet. I am rolling the red carpet. But one more thing I almost forgot. We're going to give our feature artist some more time. I believe um, she's uh, still yet getting prepped. There's some things that she has to do on her end. So before I bring her on and I roll the red carpet, first what I would like to do, because it's so very important that we have all the preliminaries taken care of and well-established before we get started with the interview because we don't want any disruptions. So before... I get started with the initial interview. I want to first honor our women. Yes, we must acknowledge this is Women's History Month. And for Women's History Month, first thing first, we must not forget that had it not been For a woman, for the women are the nurturers, ladies and gentlemen. They are the primary nurturer, okay? And I'm referring to of all of us, okay? If it were not for our women, where would any of us be? We must keep our women in prayer. They are definitely always before us, always a protector of us and always caring for us. I'm sure many of us can reflect on our lives, especially if you are an adult now, you can reflect back and say when the men were not present or when the men were present, our women were always our mothers, our grandmothers, our nurturers, Our godmothers, our spiritual parents, they were always there. They are our primary nurturers. So we do want to acknowledge our women. And, yes, this is Women's History Month, and I like to say Women's History, Her Story, Our Story Month, being a woman. It is an honor. So we want to pay special tribute to our women of the world, and we want them to know they are much appreciated. You are highly respected, and, yes, you are highly regarded, and we thank you for the love that you have demonstrated towards us because all of us can truthfully declare that we would not be whom we have become had it not been for your love, the wisdom, the guidance, the nurturing that you have, so, so graciously demonstrated towards us all. So that goes out to all of our women, the women of the world tonight. And without any further ado, I am rolling the red carpet and turning the spotlight onto our feature artist and special guest on the panel The Exceptional Scribble Show tonight. And that is none other than Reverend and Dr. 
Ah, Shellarine, Desikajo, Desikajo, Lang. Welcome, Dr. Lang. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I tell you, I am so glad that you were available to accept our invitation. I've been long awaiting the opportunity to have you on the panel and to do this interview. And, of course, because our topic is faith-based Christian literature and our focus word is self-publishing, I could not find anyone other that would be more suitable to have than yourself to cover both things. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. And if you could just share with our listening audience, because I'm sure many do not know and they would like for you to tell us, um, what got you started in uh, writing? How? What age were you when you first discovered the talent and the passion for writing? And you can start off with telling us the very earliest time in your life and the earliest age you were when you first wrote your maybe your first poem. And then tell us how, with time, as an artist, you evolved and when you fully embraced, what age you were, when you fully embraced the gift and acknowledged that you had a passion for writing. And thank okay. You. I can tell you that uh, my name is very long. So my first name is Ashella and my middle name is Jessica Jo. So going to kindergarten, I had to learn how to write because not many people can pronounce it and or spell it. So back in those days, in the early 70s, you know, mm. you go to school. So I went to school at four. So by the time I was four, I could write it and I could pronounce it. And so I've been writing a long time. But it wasn't until the third grade. I was going to a Catholic school uh, called St. Vincent in Madison, New Jersey. And I mm. had a teacher by the name of Sister Mary Rose. And Sister Mary Rose taught us how to write. And the style of writing that she taught us in the third grade is the same style of writing I used to say. It was so impactful to me how she simplified how to write and how to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. So I discovered in the third grade that I like to write. I didn't really focus on it too much um, throughout the rest of my school years. I mean, I did well with my papers. Um, I used to write poetry, I guess, uh, probably in high school. You know, you're lovesick, you're writing poems about this boy or that boy, or he broke my heart. So I wrote poetry in uh, high school. It wasn't really until I got to seminary that I realized that I had the gift to write and write well. Um, As you go through college, you write papers and you kind of hone your craft. Uh, But it's different in seminary because, um, those those moments, you know, the teachers, the professors, they help you to understand that you can really be a part of the theological discussion that's going on in the world, not necessarily mm. just in the seminary. So when I realized that I can have some impact, um, I have been a womanist for longer than I can remember. I wasn't actually mm. raised in the church. I was actually raised in the synagogue. And so I went to a AME church when I was seven, and then mm-hmm. when I was eight, my father met this black rabbi from Harlem, New York, 
So we were a part of that congregation, the Covenant Keepers. Mm, and okay. first at the synagogue, they told me men went left and girls went right. Mm-hmm. And, girls, and girls couldn't say, we couldn't touch the Torah, and we couldn't be rabbis. And I think that's when the woman that's in me woke up and said, wait a minute. I don't think that's what this Bible means. But, you know, at eight years old, you don't have the articulation to share that. But in my spirit, I knew that that wasn't right. And all Mm -hmm. of that uh, from men, and it did not come from God. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but when you're a young child, you know, people kind of squash that voice that's on the inside of you. Mm. And so I spent many years advocating for children, and I became a teacher. But it wasn't until I went to seminary that I realized that the woman is in me needed to speak through writing. And so that's Mm. when I really began embracing the idea that I was a writer. It took years after that uh, to meet up with one of my good friends. Her name is Pastor Monica. Um, Mm -hmm. She's the pastor of uh, Prevailing in Philadelphia. She really um, inspired me to write my own book. She did a workshop, and it was how to write your book in six weeks. And I went through the workshop, and and it just turned on something else in me that was turned on in seminary. And then from that point, I said, well, if I can do it, I can help other people do it. And so that's what I've been doing, just helping people just touch the heart of who they are and put Mm -hmm. it down so that more people can can hear their story and, and feel what they feel. Outstanding. Excellent. And thank you so much for taking that trip down memory lane and explaining for us how writing is empowerment. And I think that a lot of women who are feminists can agree to the statements that you said, which is we live in a a world that has been one run by men as for government and uh, the power uh, positions. More men hold them here in this land, in this country. And I'm sure it's not just America alone, of course, you know, um, in the in the world at large, um, that as women, we have to be assertive and we have to not be afraid we have to take courage and and declare, yes, I am a woman, but in, in in terms of my gift, I am on the same equal footing as any man. And just as men are being highly regarded and respected in writing, so the same should women be. And not just in writing. I love how you brought out in in spirit in terms of faith, because our topic tonight is faith based Christian literature. Um, and how in many uh, religions and many faiths, I like that term even better than just saying religion, um, in many faiths you find that um, uh, in terms of sex or gender, there has been gender biases that have prevailed. And for you to acknowledge that, yes, that gender bias where the men go left, the women go right in terms of in the synagogue and um, how the men are allowed to um, hold or handle the Torah, but the women were disallowed. For you to acknowledge those um, biases and to say, you know what, there's something for me, but this is not it. 
I think I need to venture out of where I am. That takes courage. There's a lot of people who stay in a faith because they've been in that particular setting or that type of order in in terms of their faith and worship. They've been in that setting. I'm trying to keep from saying religious order, but <laughs> they've been accustomed to doing it from their early childhood. So it's it's molded them in terms of their belief system, uh, in terms of, you know, even the way they think, intellectually speaking, and just the psychology of uh, that philosophy of being of that particular faith. So they tend to think, this is my life, this is who I am, rather than if you have strong convictions, and I'm speaking to someone out there, if you have strong convictions and you know that in spite of this being the faith that you were raised up in, this is not truly what you believe, then do yourself a favor. Emancipate yourself. Liberate yourself. And there is an empowerment when you acknowledge and say, this is not something I agree to. I need to move forward and find and discover what's for me. And that's what Dr. Lang has done, ladies and gentlemen. So I do commend you, Dr. Lang, for sharing that testimonial because I'm sure it was empowerment for some woman out there. And thank you for um, empowering that woman or that person. Maybe it's not a woman that was listening in that was empowered tonight. Thank you. And um, my next question for you is, if you can share with everyone, I noticed you said that you discovered that you liked writing at age 13. If you can kind of elaborate on uh, what was the root or the catalyst for that discovery. Were you in school? Were you um, reading at the time? Was there a... a, a um, a poem read to you, or was it just a writing assignment? If you can just kind of give us a little more detailed information about how you acknowledged and discovered at that age that writing was something that you liked. Thank you. Well, I would say that um, I, I went to uh, a fluent school, and mm-hmm. uh, part of that was the spelling bee, part of that was um, going to the library a lot, and so I did a lot of reading. Mm. So I read a lot, and I read a lot of good books, and I read a lot of not-so-good books. And I, I'm a firm believer that there's always something you can learn. You can either learn what to do or what not to do. And so as I read the good books, I said, okay, I can do that. And as I read the not-so-good books, I said, mm, I can do better than that. And so um, we just always had some interesting books to read at school and uh, my parents were such that they used to give us extra homework. You know, mm. my father would look at <laughs> an encyclopedia, and then he'd write them all down, and then we'd have to find them and write the definition. You know, so so education has always been a major part of my life. And so mm. I just discovered that, you know, knowledge is power, and you can't refute what you don't know. I mean, I can't sit and talk intelligently no. about if I don't do the research. And so I was tired of people telling me what they thought, and I wanted to find out the information for myself. 
you know, because, like I said, knowledge is power. And people will tell you anything. And even mm-hmm. at a young age, like I said, at eight, I knew that, that God loved all of us equally and that all this sexism that was going on wasn't right. I also mm-hmm. understood that if I was going to change anything, I'd had to get the information and learn how to articulate it the right way. And so writing just became um, a part of, part of just that love of reading and writing. And, you know, I used to do extra assignments at school. And so that's kind of how I incorporated it into my life. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for sharing. And um, for, for those out there that are listening and maybe they did not, they weren't privileged such like yourself or myself to grow up in a home where uh, pro-education and pro-literacy was the climate. What can you share with them for those who didn't have that, quote-unquote, early start? What can you share with them to help them foster some of the skills that you've acquired as for literacy enrichment that will definitely help them if indeed writing is something they like and they want to further advance in doing? Well, I would take advantage of the after-school programs, take advantage of the mentoring programs that we have out there. There are so many wonderful groups who are reaching out to young people and encouraging them to be creative, whether it's through the arts, whether it's through music, whether it's through creative writing. Um, mm-hmm. And it might, and it might seem like it goes against the norm. The truth of the matter is that there are times when you have to go outside of where you think you are and you have to step outside of the box in order to be successful in what you really want to do because peer pressure is real. And the more that people try to make you conform to what they want, you will miss out on what God has for you. And so at a young age, I was never one to follow peer pressure. I mean, when they said mm-hmm. go left, I ran right. Um, and so I would say to those who may not have that type of willpower, that who you associate with is mm. going to become what you, what you be, you know, like they say, assimilation. Association yeah. brings assimilation. That's what I want to say. And so you've got to surround yourself with people who do what it is that you want to do. If you want to go to college, then you need to be around some people who can help you get there. The mm-hmm. challenge is that we live in a society that teaches our young people to have a microwave mentality. Put everything quick, fast, in a hurry, and they have no stick to itness. And unless you find somebody who can teach you that long-suffering that the Bible talks about and that ability to work hard for what you want, it's going to be quite difficult because things that come quickly to you are not always good for you. And yeah. so you really have to take an assessment of who you are hanging around, you know, who are you listening to. That That is most paramount. Who, what voice are you listening to? I mean, are you listening to the, the, the good voice that says, you know, we're going to do the right thing and we're going to be successful, we're going to work hard? Or you listen to the other voice that's trying to find the easy way out and just skate through life. So you really have to think about what are you feeding your brain? What are you feeding your spirit? What are you feeding your heart? Because what you put in you is going to come out of you. Mm. Excellent, 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 excellent. And truth-based factual statement. Thank you so very much 
for what you just shared, uh, Dr. Lang. Um, one of the missions of the show and, and one of the causes of this platform is to promote literacy. But another very important, um, and I, I guess this will be a vision statement um, as well for the development of this platform and this program is to help people to evolve into becoming whom they were truly born to be. And if that means a published author is a part of that, then by all means, that's why this panel was designed. It was designed by a writer with the literary artist community in mind. I knew that writers were in need of resources. They were in need of support groups because you hear so much about struggling, starving artists, and that's just not meant to be. Um, Literary artists are gifted. They are gifted not just being born to write, but they're also gifted, I believe, spiritually. And when they are properly nurtured into the being that they were predestined or ordained to become, which does take grooming, it takes time, it takes development of skills, Um, they're going to have to discipline themselves, but they also need mentoring. And I'm always trying to encourage others in that regard that if they don't have a mentor, that that will help them on their journey to further evolve into becoming, I like to, to call it, a master writer or a master poet or a master spoken word artist or a master um, literary artist in general. And it takes also collaboration. I'm always stressing on this platform that writers need to collaborate with one another because cooperative learning is real. Um, It's not just something that takes place in the classroom It goes beyond the classroom. It's something that happens on a day-in, day-out basis. Some of us acknowledge that and others don't, but through peer cooperative learning, and now I'm speaking about not um, the negative, which would be peer pressure, but the peer cooperative learning, we can further evolve and become the artists that we were born to become. Could you share about maybe an experience that you had where uh, someone sold into your life? Um, Maybe it could have been a colleague or a um, childhood friend, but there was some collaboration that took place, whether in the classroom, out of the classroom, and it further enhanced your capabilities or your skill set as a literary artist? Okay. Well, I've had many experiences like that. Um, I I have always tried to dig deeper, and uh, even with the professors that I had, um, I would pick their brain to find out what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just believe that God connects us to people for a reason, and yeah. so some people are in your life for a reason, and some people are in your life for a reason in a season, and then some mm-hmm. people are in your life for a reason and a season in a lifetime. And so mm. those people who um, are in your life for a reason, um, you have to be the one 
to know where to put them. It's not up to them to determine whether they're the reason, the season, or the lifetime. Mm. And so I've encountered many people along the path who may have just sowed a nugget in my life, and that's all they were meant to do. I've had um, professors. I had one professor uh, named Will Gaffney uh, at seminary, and it's right a time that I was really trying to figure out, you know, this gift of writing, um, the mm-hmm. books that I had, the passion that I had to liberate and empower women. And she came to, uh, I went to Lutheran Theological Seminary, and she came to the seminary, and she just blew my mind. She was a womanist, and she was a Hebrew professor, and she knew mm-hmm. herself. And so that really got me to thinking that even if you write well, you've got to know what you're talking about. You've got to yeah. know whether you're disseminating the right information. And it's not about man bashing. It's about empowering women. I don't have mm-hmm. to step on hip in order to lift myself up. I don't need to tell yeah. women that nothing in order for women to feel empowered. And so she mm. gave me that ability to kind of look deeper, to say it's not about us and them. It's about mm-hmm. how I build myself up so I don't have to have him telling me who I am. I'll know who I am, regardless of whether he believes it or not. And so mm-hmm. she really me to listen to my own voice and not be so pressured by the other theological voices that were going on. And so she 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 stood on her own ground, you know, and she, mm-hmm. she was not easily moved. Uh, another woman who really empowered me was my pastor. Her name was Reverend Martha Lang. And she was just, uh, when I came from the synagogue and went back to church, she was my pastor. And so mm-hmm. here I am from this very sexist kind of religion, faith, shall I say, and mm-hmm. God be so powerful in who she is and um, what she said, and she just loved people back to life. And she taught me about feeling confident in who God is. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. being conceited and being confident. And yeah. she was a woman of confidence. When that song said blessed assurance, she had blessed assurance, not in herself, so her confidence wasn't in Martha Lang. Her confidence was that God put a spirit in Martha Lang, mm-hmm. that she was able to do some supernatural things. So that really gave me um, another piece, another nugget that really changed my life. And then after that, as far as being a publisher and, and being a woman who empowers other women, um, I have a good friend. Her name is uh, Pastor Monica Haskell, and uh, she is just a powerhouse and taking ownership of the gift that you have in you, and not to feel ashamed about it, but to really fly. So, you know, these women, they taught me how to crawl, they taught me how to walk, and mm. they taught me how to And there have been some men who have been powerful in my life as well, men who, mm-hmm. you know, I, um, I went to this church one time, and one of my friends, and he had a communion, yeah. and he called all into the altar. And he gave them this priestly blessing, and he sent them on their way. And then he called the women to the altar, and he just kind of gave them communion and sent them on his way. So afterwards, I said, well, why would you do that? I said, why didn't the women get a priestly blessing? And so he shared with me that he was trying to teach the men how to lead. Mm. And so I said something that blew his mind. And I said, well, if heaven looks like that, I don't want to go. And he said, <laughs> what? I said, if I have to deal with sexism down here, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. here. I don't want to go to another place with that because I don't believe that's God. Mm. And there's men in my life who have helped me 
not to dummy down. I mean, that's what I call it. You know, mm-hmm. when you know that you have the, the intelligence, you have the you have the calling, but you are quiet just because a man is in authority. And you mm-hmm. kind of shrink into who you are and mm-hmm. not stand up and say what God says to say. And so there have been men who and women who have taught me, don't dummy down. You have the information. You have the ability to empower people. Don't be afraid to say what God tells you to say, like Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, you're afraid to their faces, you know, but you say what God tells you to say. But you got to be careful. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can't be uh, everywhere. You got to know those who labor among you. But God has blessed me. I can stand in the midst of folk Mm. who desire to make me dummy down. And Mm -hmm. I'll just stand in confidence that I learned from these women and say, you know what? God is not even saying that. But it's because I did the research and I Mm. did the work that I can stand on the truth of God because I read it for myself. Yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. This is good. This is soul food tonight. This is what a lot of us just can't get. If we go to a, a conference on writing or publishing, we're going to get all of the the wisdom of this world, but in terms of the spiritual enlightenment, the truth, a lot of times we're not going to get that. So for us tonight, this is truly indeed, this is golden, might I add. This is golden, and this is a blessing from on high. And I just want to say to our listening audience, I hope that you are taking notes, and please feel free if you're able to join in the chat room. There's information there for you, just kind of some updates, some uh, background information about Dr. Lang that she shared during the interview thus far, and also information about Dessa Kajo Publishing, which is a publishing company that she is a brainchild of. And at this time, Dr. Lang, I would love for you to share with our listening audience about how the publishing company entitled Desicajo, how that was birthed in you. Because, you know, first the birthing occurs within and then it extends outward. So if you can kind of share with everyone uh, how that uh, publishing began and what inspired the birthing, um, we would be so very grateful. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, I have always felt like I was an eagle. I mean, I've Mm. always felt like I was able to soar and do great things. However, I spent many years minimizing that, and I spent many years um, kind of nullifying and negating my intelligence and the fact that I could do things that the average person couldn't do. Mm. And so when I thought about the fact that I did that, I thought about how many other women dummy down and live a lie. You know, it's interesting as women that we will rest on a lie mm. upon standing on the truth. It's easier, so we think, to just conform to what other people say and how other people expect us to be rather than to stand flat foot on the goodness of God and the authority we have as just people 
and that gender is a social construct. And it's not a, it's a, it's because it's a social construct that has become a biblical construct. And so when I thought about how the serpent was in the garden and only changed one word, I thought about how mm. one word can change all of our lives. One word, thou shalt not die, changed mm. the course of all of our lives. And so I thought about that and I said, you know, I need to give people a platform to be able to speak their truth, not in a negative way, not in a way that would cause them to hurt people, but to cause them to help people. Because we have experienced, especially as women, how people have misrepresented and misappropriated the Bible and have used it to hold us hostage to a lie. And so part of when the truth will make you free is because when you learn the truth, you can no longer comfortably sit in your lie. And so I lived a life that, you know, a lot of girls are taught, just be pretty, just get married, be somebody's wife, be somebody's mm-hmm. mother, somebody's this, be a housewife, learn to cook, blah, 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 blah. And you have women who put their lives on hold or not even live at all because they're doing something for other people. Now, that's not to say that that's bad. That's not to say that that's not what we should do. I always say you've got to have something for you. You know, when you get on the plane, it tells you to put your mask on first. If I'm not breathing, I can't help you breathe. And if mm-hmm. I'm not living, I can't help you live. And so the publishing company started because I wanted to give people opportunity to have a voice that may have been silent and be able to help them to reframe how they may have seen something so that they would be a help and not a hindrance. And so my um, my older sister used to sing this song when I was little. I don't know why she sang this song, but it changed. It, when I was little, it didn't really make too much sense. But as an older woman, it makes more sense. She used to say, Shella Bella is not a fella. She's a mm-hmm. girl who likes the world. All the boys say she is fine. When you talk to her, she'll blow your mind. And so for me, that little ditty that my sister sang was mm-hmm. telling my life because I was a tomboy. So people mm. thought, you know, she'll never act like a girl. She'll always be like a little tomboy. And then I always liked to dance. I always had expression. I was always articulate. But mm-hmm. I found out early that people were intimidated by my gifts and my abilities. So I just stopped. And then oh, she said, okay. all the boys think she is fine. I mean, for me, compared to my mother and my sister, I was not fine. So I didn't really pay much attention to makeup and hair and all that stuff because I didn't think that I was pretty enough, so it didn't matter to me. And then finally she said, when you talk to her, she'll blow your mind. I spent many years minimizing my intelligence because it intimidated people, not just men, but women Mm -hmm. as well. So I just wouldn't say anything. But it wasn't until I got to seminary that I realized that I have to stop dummying down, and I have to be that eagle that I always knew I could be. And me being an eagle allowed me to see that other people mm-hmm. were probably in that same place and other people. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a chicken. If you're a chicken, walk around, do your thing. That's good. But if you're an eagle pretending to be a chicken mm-hmm. or a chicken pretending to be an eagle, then there's a problem. That's and so right. I had acculturated, I acculturated 
into the life of being a chicken. And I was walking around, but every once in a while, I'd carve out this glide, and I'd be flying. And people say, what are you flying for? And I said, oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to be walking. And then every once mm-hmm. in a while, I'd carve out a glide, and I'd be flying. People say, what are you doing? And I'd say, oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to be walking. But one day, it just, it just something released in me. And it was really my father. I was 35. I was going through a divorce. And my father said to me, and he had no idea that that analogy was already in my heart. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, all these years, I've told you that you were a chicken, and I've always known that you're an eagle. He said, so now I'm telling you you're an eagle. And if you don't fly, it's your fault you're not flying. It's no longer mine. Mm-hmm. And after he said that to me, that thing, just every shackle, every chain that I had to not fly came mm-hmm. off. And mm-hmm. I said, I said, oh, it's on and popping now, and I got to fly. And so I just started, you know, writing books, and, and I've written six. I'm working on seven and eight right now. My newest mm-hmm. book is called A Conversation with Myself, Healing the Internal Voice. And mm-hmm. that book is really about what are you telling yourself that you won't fly? Why are you telling yourself to dummy down? You know, it's no longer somebody else's fault that you're not doing and being who you're called to be. You're telling yourself not to do it. And so that's what that book is about. So that's how the publishing company started, just really wanting to help people, not not just women, but people to release the gifts in them and walk in confidence that those things are from God. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. You've said much. You've 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 helped many whom are tuning in this evening. I'm sure many have been, as you were saying, they've been that chicken. They were taught how to be a chicken, not how to to soar, not how to be an eagle. And so, because of their teachings, a lot of times because of the teachings that. And it doesn't matter whether you male, you're male or female. If if you're taught something, and especially if you're taught it from your early years, it's molded you into your young adult into adulthood. And for many people, they have to be be deprogrammed of a lot of false teaching before they can become that eagle mentally, socially, emotionally, spiritually, because we know that we're a holistic being or person. We're not just um, alone. We're not just physical bodies. We have a soul. We have a mind. We have a spirit. We have a will. We have emotions. We have a heart. So if we're not properly nurtured in a holistic sense, to be an eagle, or if we're improperly nurtured to be something that we're not. And I love how you, then it's going to have that negative outcome. The output is going to be just what it is. It's not going to be a uh, positive or, or, or the efficient, uh, the efficiency will not be seen as for who we truly were meant to become. So I love how you put it. If you're an eagle, you need to become that eagle if you're not. 
But if you're a chicken, be that chicken. And I like how you put that because not too many people want to acknowledge that not all of us are supposed to be an eagle. There are some of us that we're supposed to be a chicken. There are some of us we're supposed to be a duck. We quack like a duck. We walk like a a duck. um, We do duck things, and we are ducks. But some are eagles. Some know it. Some always felt it. Like you said, I felt it. And I think that's important, too, the, 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 the fact being that you feel it first. It happens on the inside first. I think a lot of times people think that you're supposed to just do something outwardly. The outward showing of it should be the first. Um, evolution. No, it the change starts from within, or the birthing starts from within, and then it extends outward. Can you touch on how it's so very important? And I love the title of your next book. Is this book number eight that you spoke about? <laughs> it's book number six. The one oh. with, um, a conversation with myself. That's book number six. Yes, book number six. I love that. Because I think a lot of times we avoid looking in the mirror because we don't like ourselves. We don't love ourselves. We love him. We love her. We love them. And we do for him. We do for her. And we do for them. But we neglect ourselves. And a lot of times because we're neglecting who we are, there's not much development. There's not much happening on the inside of us. It's like a a desert or a a wasteland. Can you touch on how there's some some essentials? I'm sure some people are probably like, you know what, I need to work on me or I need to spend more time with me. But they're not quite sure how to go about doing that successfully. Can you touch on those essentials? Thanks so much. Yes. I would say that the first, thing to realize is there's a difference between being selfish and having Mm -hmm. Mm self-care. And too often we are taught that when we think about ourselves, that that's being selfish. And we're not taught how to have self-care. I can't tell you, um, my full-time job, I'm a hospice chaplain. And Mm. I can't tell you how many family members get burnout. They get caregiver burnout because Mm -hmm. they spend so much of their time caring for their loved ones, which is what they're supposed to do, that they neglect themselves. And so part of being an empowered woman or empowered person is learning to listen to your own body, learning to listen to your own spirit, learning to listen to your own heart and your own mind. And it's not a bad thing to say, you know what, I need to take a minute so that I can take care of me. And that's the place where many of us are challenged, that we don't know how to take care of ourselves because we've never been taught. Mm. And it could be something as simple as telling people no. Okay. You know, one of the hardest things to do is tell somebody no, because we've been taught that you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to sacrifice, especially women. We're taught, you know, if I love him, then I'll sacrifice who I am. If I love my kids, I'll, I'll give up all my dreams. If I love my church... You know, I'll be this slave and all this kind of stuff we're taught, but we're not taught how to love ourselves. But, you know, it's interesting that 
one of the uh, great things that Jesus said was, this is the first and great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. The second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. So there are three things, loving God, loving your neighbor, and loving Mm -hmm. yourself. And we have been taught well how to love God. We've been taught kind of well how to love our neighbor. One thing we have not been taught is how to love ourselves. And a part of loving yourself is honoring when your body starts to shut down. You know, I can't tell you how many people die of heart attacks because they're running and running and running and running. They won't go to the doctor and they won't, you know, take the medication that the doctor said and, and all of this kind of stuff and they neglect their bodies and they neglect their spirit. You know, you've got to spend some quality time with yourself. You know, there got to be some quiet moments where you just kind of meditate. I know mm. we think meditation, we think of Buddha and levitating, all that stuff. But <laughs> meditating is just sitting quietly. You can sit quietly. You can just think about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you can sit for a minute and just rest in the goodness of that and just allow mm-hmm. your heart rate to slow down and, and your mind to stop racing and give yourself a minute to reflect and to feel and to love and to grow and to be empowered. You know, it's like a cup. If you keep pouring stuff in the cup and pouring it in and pouring it in and then you never empty it, well, mm. it's going to overflow. And a lot of us have passive-aggressive anger because we've been broken, we've been hurt, we've been, you know, destroyed almost mm. by the different things in our life. And we don't take the time to say, God, you know what, I'm really hurt right now. And I just need you to help me so that I won't hurt other people. Because nine times out of ten, hurt people hurt people. And so yes, a part of being empowered and a part of loving you is listening to you. And understanding, even Jesus stole away for a while. You know, even Jesus had to get away from ministry and take some time for himself to sit with God. And so if Jesus did it, certainly we can do it. And it's not selfish. It's called self-care. And Mm -hmm. so if you need somebody to help you figure out who that is, then you find a woman with some like faith who also knows how to do some self-care. And then you'll see your whole life change. You'll see your whole life change. When you start telling people no. Mm, Awesome, awesome. Well, I tell you, uh, Reverend and Dr. Ashalarine Desakajo Lang, you have truly blessed the hearers on tonight. I'm so, so grateful that you accepted the invitation to be the feature artist in the spotlight on this platform, the Exceptional Scribble Show for episode 101. And I am just delighted because you have shared pearls of wisdom on this platform tonight. And for those that were tuned in, I know many were truly gleaning from every word that you have so, so, and I know it came from your spirit and from above, and that's that's where I know the source is, um, from the Almighty, from him to your lips, from your lips to our hearts. And I can't speak for everyone tuning in, but I can speak for myself. I know that what you did impart mm-hmm. on this platform tonight, it has truly uh, made an impact. And I... There's some things that I know 
that I will be doing that I haven't already done because there was some enlightenment that I've acquired. And I want to thank you for taking your time. You didn't race through answering questions. You uh, maintained such an easy-to-follow pace where I know for hearers being on the receiving end, it was a, a pace that was easy for us to write things down and not have to feel raced or rushed <laughs> to document what you were saying. And you right. gave excellent examples just reflecting on your own personal life. And it was truly wholesome. It was wholesome dialogue. And, you know, if I had a million dollars, I would have no problem with giving it to you tonight. <laughs> Not trying to From pay you. From your God's ears. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not to pay you, but just to say you gave us so much. And I think we started a, a little less than a full hour. You gave us so much in a space of maybe 30 to 40 minutes that, People sit at at conferences and and seminars and maybe don't even get when they're given a whole one to two hours. So that says a lot. That says a lot right there. I'm truly going to be promoting your publishing company, but also um, can you share with our listening audience, because I'm sure there are some that they may want to touch bases with you beyond uh, tonight. Uh, they may want to connect with you, maybe even invite you to speak at, um, you know, whatever the setting might be, whether it's a uh, formal, uh, um, you know, school setting in the classroom or a church synagogue setting. But I'm sure they will want to have you to come and to bless the audience within the confines of wherever uh, they have their groups to meet at. And could you share that uh, social media contact information and your uh, general contact information for them and for those that would like to become published authors whom are um, – now, is Dessa Cajo Publishing, is that just Christian literature? Only, or could you share that? Because I didn't ask that question, and I think that's important as well. Okay. Well, um, it is um, – so I curve, I, I can tell you. Um, mm-hmm. I have some authors. None of them – all of them are not Christian, but it has to be a pow- a positive, powerful message. And yes. so I open it up to people who, even if they're – you know, it's not about uh, the Bible and all that kind of stuff – I still give them a platform, but, I, like, I, I have an author um, who deals with children who've been affected by um, adoption and stuff like that. And so his his mm. material is not um, Christianized, but it's a positive, powerful message. And so okay. that's my emphasis. Um, so you don't have to be Christian, but you have to be helping people and not hindering people, shall I say. Um, oh, so that's okay. my... Uh, so if it's fiction, like I have some poets, some poets who have written books, and uh, I have some playwrights who are uh, on my publishing company, and so I try to diversify so that we can reach a larger audience. Um, mm-hmm. Most, of, I would tell you, ninety-five percent of my authors are Christian writers. I will tell you that. Oh, okay. um, but I don't limit it. I mean, I'm not gonna 
use any kind of crazy Fifty Shades of Grey stuff. I'm not doing any of that. Right, right. But um, right. But yeah, I'm flexible, but only to a certain extent. Okay. Well, um, thanks. So, yeah. Well, so you can find me on Facebook. It's uh, Dr. Ashella Reen. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Rev Shella. I'm on. I don't know. My kids want me to got me on Instagram. I don't really mm-hmm. use it because I don't really know how. I'm kind of old. I don't look old, but I'm kind of old. And uh, I'm on old LinkedIn. School, I understand. <laughs> yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm actually revamping my website for uh, Jessica Joe Publishing um, because, along with publishing, I also help people restore their credit. So if you need to restore your credit mm. or fix your credit, I do that. So. I'm updating my website to include some of those credit restoration facts and mm-hmm. little workshops and seminars because, you know, knowledge is power. And you can sell all the books you want to, but if your credit score is still 480, uh, it's still going to be a problem. So yes, uh, I'm indeed. trying to get into uh, helping people in a holistic manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. if you find me on Facebook, you'll find me. Oh my. Excellent, excellent. I'm I'm telling you, you are truly a blessing. Truly a blessing. Well, I have my co host, Queen Deport Thelman, and she has joined us and I'm gonna give her an opportunity to speak with you. She may have some questions for you before we completely close out the exclusive interview hour segment. Queen Zipporah, okay. welcome. Welcome, Queen Fran. How are you? Fine, thank you. And how are you this evening? Yeah, I'm fine. Also, hello, Dr. Al Sharon. Did I pronounce the name right? It's Ashellarine. Ashellarine, yes. How are uh-huh. you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine too. I was uh, listening to you know what you were saying about with your publishing business, and it's good that you're you know expanding it to all you know nonfiction and fiction genres. Amen. I agree. <laughs> Yes, and Queen Zipporah, because I know you are an urban fantasy writer, and that's something that's not as popular as urban fiction in general. Um, did you have any questions for Reverend Dr. Shellarine uh, in regards to Dessa Kajo Publishing? Because I know you've been in search of a publisher, and if you have any questions for her, feel free before she exits. The panel. <laughs> Do you have any, you know, like, um, like fantasy or science fiction or romance or thriller, you know, any just, uh, you know, fiction genre writers? Um, at this point, I don't. Um, I have a few people who um, are writing children's books, but that's the extent of the fantasy that I have. But that's not to say that I'm not open. Uh huh. All right. All right. That's all the questions I have. Okay. Well, thank you, Queens of Port Thelma, and thank you so very much, Dr. Lang. I tell you, I can't be as, I guess, precise in, in my thanks the way I would like to because I'd be screaming and hollering, ah! and I don't want to make anyone <laughs> deaf that's listening, but I want you to know that what you gave us all tonight, it was just more than enough. It was exceptional. And I will definitely be doing some referrals. I know there of some writers that are inspirational writers whom definitely are are in need of a publisher. So I will definitely be in touch with you um, off the air, and um, they will be in touch with you as well. And thanks so much for sharing that information about uh, credit 
help because there's just too many um, gifted people even and artists that have found themselves in need of credit assistance, you know, due to uh, various circumstances, not always just um, one reason, you know, things happen and, you know, we find ourselves in debt if we're not, you know, as, as knowledgeable or even wise enough to know what things to avoid. So it's good to know that someone who cares is in that business and will not take advantage. I've heard some stories of people who went through credit help agencies and they ended up with more credit right, <laughs> problems right. and issues. So um, right. thank you for sharing with us tonight that you are updating the Sakejo Publishing's uh, website because that is something that you also specialize in doing. And we will also be promoting your um, publishing company as well as your books on the Exceptional Scribble Show fan page. And feel free, I'll share with share the link with you off the air as well um, so that you can post from time to time if you have any events that are forthcoming or, you know, just more information about your publishing company on our fan page. And we'll just do it. We'll visit your website and then we'll post uh, the information on our fan page so that our literary artist community is abreast of how you can service their needs, and they can support you in what you're doing because we know it's like a hand in glove. We're helpers of one another. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And I always ask this, would you be open to come again? We usually usually like to have our first-time guests to come back in about maybe four months to just update us on what's happening now and to share with us how we were able to be helpful to them in some way when they were were a feature artist in the spotlight on the panel of this show. So I'm going to ask you on behalf of the Exceptional Civil Show audience and on my behalf and on my co-host's behalf, would you return? I certainly will. Now, in four months, so I am a chaplain for the Delaware okay. Army National Guard. And I happen to be proud of the fact that I am the first woman since 1775. Oh, my goodness. So I will be in South Carolina, but as long as there's Internet connection and a phone, you got it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Now, will you be in um, South Carolina every Tuesday of July? So I will be – so I have to go to military chaplain school. So I'm going from May until August. But oh, okay. I still have my laptop and my phone, and I'm not in the middle of the desert. I'm on a base, and so Tuesdays are fine for me. Okay. So can we, let's say, I'm looking at uh, in July there's four Tuesdays, the 5th, the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th. The 5th is the 1st, the 12th is the 2nd, the 19th is the 3rd, and the 26th is the 4th. Do you have a preference? Well, let's see. I'm also AME, and we're having our 200th general uh, anniversary for the AME Church. So the 12th okay. is out because I'll be at General Conference in Philadelphia. So either the 19th, the last two Tuesdays. The last two. Okay. So we're looking at the 19th. I'll set that up, and if we have to do any changes, of course, between now and then, we will be in correspondence, so we'll do that. 
Thank you so right. very much. Thank you so much. And many blessings to you, and um, we'll be in touch for sure. All right. Thank you for the wonderful work that you do, and God bless you and your listeners. Oh, thanks again. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Mm. Well, that concludes our exclusive interview with the Reverend Dr. Ashelarine. That's a Kajo Lang, and she provided us with so much, Queen Zipporah. When you have a chance, feel free, if you're not in the chat room, feel free to visit the um, episode 101, comma, the Exceptional Scribble Show event page, which is on Facebook, or you can even visit, of course, we had Twitter going. Um, there were some key things. I'm just going to requote. Uh, Dr. Lang, because there were some key things that she shared that was so very um, essential. Uh, number one, she said, I asked the question about uh, when did she, what age was she when she first uh, got started on her journey as a scribe or writer? And she said, she learned that she liked writing at the age of 13. I think okay. that that's such a, a very critical point in terms yeah. of our uh, growth and development at that age anyway because so much is um, budding, you're blooming, you're, you know, evolving. You're, you're leaving from just being a young lad, per se, young girl, into evolving into the teen years. You know, you're not a tween anymore. So you're uh, really starting to see who you are, and and you're learning at that point whether or not you like who you are <laughs> or you dislike who you are, you know, in so many veins. If you're comfortable in your own skin or you want to be like somebody else. But for her to say she discovered that she liked writing at the age of 13, I thought that was highly significant. And then she shared that she attended seminary and she learned then. Now, this, of course, is she's much older, but when she attended seminary was when she learned she had the gift to write and could write well. And she shared about how professors helped her in that regard we touched on the importance of mentors, and I was so glad she went into uh, sharing that, yes, professors, those whom we have that are significant in our lives because they aid us, they guide us in our learning experiences. Um, for them to share with her that, yes, you have this gift to write, and here's how you can hone your literary artistry skills um, and, and, and further enhance them, I think that was powerful. I think that was powerful. And having been a person who benefited in higher education in that regard, I understood her well. You know, I could identify with that. But I also asked her, I said, well, what about we have some listeners, we have some people that weren't privileged. You know, maybe they didn't grow up in a home environment that was pro-education, pro-literacy. You know, maybe they weren't introduced to books 
in an intimate way. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of what you would say the early start. They didn't really have that early start experience to promote their interests further in literacy. So what do we do for them? How do we help them? And she shared about after-school programs for those youngsters and how a lot of after-school programs, and I, I'm I'm a stickler for promoting them because I once actually ran after-school programs and also summer enrichment programs, so I know how they will truly benefit our youth. And she shared yeah. that, yes, they are accessible to the youth, especially our youth whom are growing up in environments that are, quote-unquote, at risk. Their parents must. Take advantage of these uh, resources that are accessible to them. And from 3 to 6 o'clock during the week, their child could attend an after-school program, get homework help, receive further um, reading, enrichment, tutoring. Um, It was so much that the the programs provided. So I was glad she promoted them because we know that in some cities these programs are being cut yeah. and and they're not being funded, of course, is the reason why they're being cut. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I just want to yes. comment on the cut programs. There was a few times that the Free Library of Philadelphia was mm-hmm. threatened to be closed. Yeah, but uh, it hasn't happened because they're still flourishing. Mm. Thank you for sharing that because I grew up during the time in the early 70s when the free library was a hangout spot. Mm -hmm. And we were encouraged. I mean, they had activities going on, painting, um, carpentry, basic carpentry. Um, They even had uh, musicians, jazz musicians that would come. And this was all free to the community that would come and would uh, showcase their talent and artistry and teach us. Um, uh, You could learn dance, martial art. (laughs) It was like that was the hangout spot. And even as for reading, they had reading clubs during the summertime as well as during, you know, the, the, the school year months. But it was so much going on in the library, it kind of channeled into the psyche Mm -hmm. of our youth that reading mattered, Mm -hmm. and it matters, and it's what we needed in our lives. And, And that that enrichment, literacy enrichment, was so profound, and it was empowerment, and that it started there. A lot of what you need, you could get it from a book. I mean, that yeah. was the message that was being sent out back then. But now, I think with technology, it's a it's a competition now. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, we're competing. Yes. Yeah, but there are still people that want the feel of a paperback or a hardback. You know, those pages. <clears throat> like reading is fine on the, uh, you know, the ebook and you know, on the phone, but the paperback slash hardback has its own significance. I agree with that fully. I believe it was um, the artist, otherwise known as Prince, who made a statement on, um, I'm trying to think, was it a BET award show or 
the uh, MTV award. I don't think it was MTV. <laughs> I think it was either the Grammys or it was the BET Music Award show. But he said vinyl albums and books still matter. And the audience got quiet. And I was like screaming like, yes, yes, he said it. Because <laughs> now we've gotten into this digital era where some people, their albums and all, they've either shucked them away in the attic, shucked them away in the garage, boxed them up in some closet. They dare not go and revisit. Mm-hmm. And they totally forgotten about, yes, they still may. I have heard some albums that sounded better than the digital recordings that you download now on your uh, MP3s and so forth. And so I'm going to have to be a stickler with that and say, don't get rid of your vinyl albums. Don't get rid of your books. I am still a book. If you come in my house, every room you're going to find books. <laughs> it's And that's just the way I am. My parents, I have to give credit to because, Books were everywhere and in my in my early upbringing in the house and we were we were we were in those reading clubs we you know a lot of emphasis was put on the book learning um and so I don't knock that I praise that and I cherish that so even today I'm going to buy me some books if I have some extra cash mm-hmm. and I see someone has books I've even stopped on the roadside, I saw one time there, uh, someone was having a yard sale, and I saw some, I mean, some good literature. I don't think they even realized uh, they had some treasures that they were just selling um, and, and getting rid of and, and was still in mint condition. Yeah, so I'm driving. I'm like, <laughs> get out the car. I'm like, hi, I couldn't help but notice these books here. Are these what I think they are? <laughs> and they're like, uh, sure, you're entitled. I'll give you the whole. And I'm like, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Is so true. Yes. And I found some books just laying on the road, right on the roadside. I was looking at laying mm. on the street, and I uh, like put out for the trash. And I looked through them, and I picked out what I wanted. <laughs> they were mine now. Wow. How about? I mean, people. I tell you, I'm from the old school, like you. I believe in holding that book in my hand. I, I just think, to me, that's that's reading. That's that's reading, and that's intimate, and that's what I call um, having good reading uh, uh, time. When I can really hold that book, turn them pages, um, highlight some things, some you know yeah. distinct uh, passages within that chapter, yeah. and. Fold, I still crease the little, uh, the edge, the corner. I still do that creasing, you know, when I want to come back and visit that again. So I'll crease that because I really like that. And I think there's more in that than than what I gathered right now in this setting. So I'm going to come back. So I fold that little corner, that little triangle corner edge and dip that over. Because <laughs> you, know, you don't have enough bookmarks, right, when you're right. reading a good book. You just never have enough bookmarks. <laughs> Unless you want to take old postcards and make them in the bookmark. <laughs> right, yes. Index cards, postcards. Yeah. I've yeah. used napkins, and I learned that from my mom. <laughs> napkins, anything. Yeah, it also reminds me of the connection to art. 
And mm-hmm. you know, I, my mind went back to the high Italian art renaissance with the mm. three Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Raphael Santi, and how what they had used it, it wasn't like even though they used the colors and all and express, but really it was the um, yeah, that's what I want to say is that it was the colors that emphasized, you know, what that art was saying. Yes, yes, yes. I love that colors. Colors are so very powerful. They emanate so much. And they emanate energy. I believe colors are alive. I believe just just as um, shapes um, evoke a certain energy. um, And they can literally transcend the mind from one location or place to another. Think of like the pyramids. Think of um, the the round shape of the world. You focus on these shapes, and it takes our mind to a different place, you know, whether it's in the past, the present, or even the future. But um, it's for us to understand that print is a language. Shapes, colors, all of that is, is the interpretation of print which is powerful, language, powerful, um, images, powerful, and they help us to interpret life itself. If we really take out the time and study these things. We have a, a guest with us, Queen Zipporah. Oh, it looks like we have the U.S. Virgin Islands. I believe this is our brother. <laughs> yes, indeed, Elder Skysky Rio. <laughs> Welcome. Hello, greetings, greetings, greetings. How are you guys doing tonight? We're fine. We're all fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, greetings to you all, man. Good to hear you all again. Oh, wow. It's good to hear you again. It's good to yeah. be heard again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just listening in. You know, books are important, man, and colors, too, and vinyl, everything. Yeah. I'm an audiophile myself, so I, I know the value of vinyl, man. It, it sounds way better than any digital recording. How about that? Yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you. I, You know, I was waiting for that because I said, I know somebody can confirm what I'm saying. It's nothing like hearing yeah. that old record playing. It's more authentic. It's like they're really there yeah. in that room with you playing that music. Right. It's not the same feel. Digital, some, it's something about the digital sound. It's not mm-hmm. the same. It's not the same. I don't get that same intimate experience like I do putting on a vinyl record. Yeah. It's the best. Every audiophile aspires to get, you know, a good phono, good record player. And those could go up in the high $10,000, $20,000 category, mm. man, just to play, you know, just to play a record. Mm. Some of them float on magnets and stuff just so you don't have any kind of interference. Mm-hmm. It's re- really... Books, too. Books, too. Colors. That's right. Colors, uh, yes, indeed. Yeah. All these and are I'll powerful be- mediums, powerful energy mediums. And we mm. do. We need to be aware that, um, you know, this digital era, sometimes it's taking away from us more than we realize. You know, it's like it's desensitizing us. That's true. And we just sure. have to kind of be on alert 
so that we don't allow ourselves to become digitized. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, one thing about the digital is going for about what the digital is that it's quick and easy. That's why you know it's mm-hmm. going to do it if they want to find something, like if they want to look up something or you know a definition, I'll just pull it up. I mean that's fine and all, you know, you get it, it works. Especially if you need to look up a phone number, you know, for a story, you know, there's the internet. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's always the dictionary. Don't forget Webster. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I still have my my dictionary, thesaurus, all my writing mm-hmm. tools, all my learning tools in in paper back form. Right with me. Oh. I, I you know. Yeah. What about uh your encyclopedias? <laughs> encyclopedias as well, yes indeed. Yeah. Yes indeed. I still have them. I have like I was sharing with the listening audience. Um, Skyscale. Maybe a little before you called in, I said I have books in every room in my home. Mm-hmm. I just because to me they're sacred, mm-hmm. and I believe that they do bless me. I really believe a lot of the literature I know that I have in my possession is all good literature. So I can say it's a blessing. It's a house blessing to me. Just like someone will burn sage in their home, having a book in every room to me blesses mm-hmm. the climate in my home because it's 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 enrichment period that's the base it's enrichment whether it's spiritual in its context whether you know it's how to build a house um whatever it is it's enrichment and if it's enrichment it's endowment and if it's endowment it's empowerment so it matters and I should have it around me I should have it and 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 it should be rich in my environment. I should have plenty of it. That's my philosophy. Mm. And I think that when people come and they visit, that also emanates. So in, in maybe their minds aren't thinking on those terms, but it plants a seed of thought. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Because we're mostly influenced by what, you know, our senses, you know, what we see what we hear, what we touch, taste, smell. And then there's that sixth sense, you know, the spiritual eye being open. But we discern. We know the difference between good and evil beyond just our physical receptions or receptors of senses. Mm-hmm. Well, Queen France, um, if you don't mind, um, I would like to, you know, start into my publishing. Yes, indeed. All right. So tonight I have uh, three pieces of writing advice. Number one, write a handful of common knowledge when needed. Two, an idea means discovery. Mm-hmm. And three, stories attack plagiarists that try to make incorrect changes in them from knowing they are not their creators. Mm, I'm enjoying this. Now, for me, I'm going to ask, could you please repeat number two and then number three, because I'm I'm writing yeah. this and posting it on the Exceptional Social yeah. fan page. All right. Number two, an idea means discovery. Okay. Number three, mm-hmm. stories attack plagiarists that try to make incorrect changes in them from knowing they are not their creators. 
Oh my God, mm. I love that. That's a lot. That's Woo. a lot. That's quite a lot. Can you do a little bit more in depth on number three? Um, it's uh, a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want me to explain it more or repeat it? Could you I'll repeat it first it. and then explain it for us? All right. Yeah. All right, number three. Stories attack plagiarists that try to make incorrect changes in them from knowing they are not their creators. Mm. Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, so in other words, a plagiarist steal a story and try to make it their own is not going to be right because of the ideas that they try to add, you know, it's incorrect because right. they don't know, first of all, they don't know what the story is about. It's not authentic. It's not authentic. Fake. Is that what you consider that nonfiction or fiction? Wait, what was that again, now, guys? Uh, it would be not really authentic, right? Their their expressionism won't be real. That's what you're you're saying. It, yeah, it won't really become. Right. Here, like, let me break it down. Then, for example, if a plagiarist stole a story, they read, they find the story and it's not theirs, and they read it and they like it. And if ever I can mm. uh, use this for my, you know, I can uh, make this story my own. And so they start reading it and then they want to put, you know, some changes. But yeah. the story is not going to be the same is because right. you know, they did not put, they didn't write the story themselves. They're just going by what the original mm. person, what the creator wrote. And True. so they figured the they can, uh, right, and they figured that they can uh, fix it, you know, for themselves. But the story is not going to respond to them. They're saying, oh, you're not my creator, mm. you know, so you can leave me alone. And if you don't, I'm going to attack right. you. Right. <laughs> not sincere. It's not as sincere as the initial person or the, the, the guy that wrote it first. It won't sound, it won't come off like sincere, like a like a digital recording off of a, an album. It's kind of like that, like off of right. a record. Yeah, like, for example, with that, um, like, all right, so with the story and all for an album, but anybody, you know, they can write the song, you know, or they have the story. But even if another person, you know, like takes over, you know, it's not, they, they won't, they, in other words, the plagiarists can't handle that story because it's not, they didn't mm. write themselves, so they don't know it fully. They don't know it at all. They're just going True. by, you know, what's on the paper, but they don't know what's beyond that print. But not right. beyond what's behind the print. Mm. Very deep. Mm. Very deep. I, um, I'm going to ask Queen Zipporah, can you share with the listening audience why you chose tip number three? Because I think that one right there, that's, that, that's, that's just so captivating and intriguing, mm-hmm. I find that one to be. So could you share with us what motivated you to select that one mm-hmm. for number three? All right, well, it had, three. You know, pop, sure. it had popped into, you know, my head. Oh, before that, what were you saying about number three? The last thing you said. Oh, I just mentioned that was uh, publishing tip number three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, and so well, it had, like, popped into my head. And then, you know, the other thing that contributed to it was when you hear about, oh, you know, get your work, you know, copyrighted and, you know, because there's plagiarists and all that. And so, you know, that's fine, but to protect aside from, 
the work already being copyrighted once it's put to paper, but that patent copyright is the 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 writer, you know, putting that uh, writing the story is because they know, you know, what they wrote and how they want it to be. And so the story is, you know, significant because of the creator. So when a, when a plagiarist comes along and they see, read the story and like it, you know, and try to use it for themselves, it is not going to work for them because mm. they didn't put their whole their psyche in it. Mm. Okay. The spirit, okay. The spirit is in there. And I would say it's just like a woman giving birth to a baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about giving her child up for adoption. But if someone else tries to be that child's mother, that baby is going mm-hmm. to speak out. That baby is going to say, mm-hmm. you're not my mom. Mm-hmm. You're not my mom. <laughs> it's like the same when you write something. It's it's the spirit. It came out of you. So it's going to speak against that plagiarist. It's going to say, you didn't write me, because it's going to be something that they're going to try to do or make it that it wasn't originally in right. its context, and it's going to tell on them that right. they are a plagiarist. They're trying to steal the rights. To something that was not originally theirs. Yeah, and you know this also number three reminds this way advice reminds me of the Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad, where the Belgian man went to the Congo with the um, to steal the ivory. Mm. But that country turned on him. The, the country itself turned on him and drove him uh, the serve. And he was saying, I'll get you for this darkness. <laughs> mm, wow. Mm. So one more time, <laughs> Queen Zippor, um, about tip number three. Can you, like, give us a one-liner for everyone that maybe they're reading stories of tech plagiarists that try to make incorrect changes in them from knowing they are not their creators? Maybe they're not clear on that, and for those that just aren't clear on it, can you give them maybe a one-sentence statement defining what is meant by that publishing All right. tip? All right. When you take somebody else's work and try to use it as your own, it is not, you know, it's not going to work for them. It's because, you know, they are not their creators, and they don't know it completely. All they're reading is uh, they're reading the words of what that story is about, and they like it, but they don't mm. know what's beyond, what's behind, you know, the words. Mm. 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 And then here's another thing too. This just came if they and the plagiarist, uh, the question that the plagiarist wants to answer, you know, um, how did you come up with how did you uh, come up with this story? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a big problem in schools and classrooms. They write down other people's answers, or they have to do research and go on mm-hmm. the net. Bring them yeah, up. That's, that's the thing out, and so that's another attack against them. There you mm-hmm. go. And I say it's just like you know, if you didn't give birth to that baby, and somebody asks you, well, what was, what was it like carrying that child? 
<laughs> what was the labor like? You gonna be trying to find? <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't even tell. You you don't know. You don't really know. You can't confirm. So you know. Beautiful, beautiful. I really like that. I believe that. And number two, an idea means discovery. Can you further elaborate on that? Mm-hmm. All right. So. All right, let me think. All right, I'm going to think. All right, the word discovery means, you know, to find something. All right, so the idea, all right, so discovery means, you know, to find things. So idea means to think things. Mm. To think. Interesting. Mm. Geisky, Elder Geisky. Oh, I was just wondering about number one. Could, could you repeat that one more time? Your right uh, hand Oh, go ahead. Or write a handful of common knowledge when needed. When you say common knowledge, you mean like not trying right. to lord it over people. Just be, be have tact when you're, you're, with your approach. That's what you mean. No, like, what I mean is uh, like with common knowledge. All right, I mean, here's what one of my uh, history teachers has said when we were writing a paper, and she said that anything mm. that you already know, like anything that's common knowledge, you didn't have to put it in the paper. So common knowledge, oh, oh. yes. So common knowledge okay. means what's already known. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but if you're, you know, but even but when you're writing, you know, you're going to have to, you know, put in the common knowledge, especially if it's needed to support, you know, the fiction part. True. True. Thanks. Thank you for interesting as well. You're welcome. Yes, thanks, uh, Queen Zipporah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and I also have, you know, three articles to read. Mm-hmm. And they're from uh, writersdigest.com. But before I continue, are you, were you going to say something, Queen Fran? Yes. I'm just going to ask um, the articles that you're about to share, if you can uh, do us all the favor at your leisure, of course, if you can make sure that they get posted on the Exceptional School Show, it can be tonight, it could be tomorrow at your convenience, or just email them to me and I'll make sure they're posted on the Exceptional School Show fan page yeah. to be specific. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Yeah. All right, so going to the articles. All right, the first is, should I pay for a publicist? This is from February 16, 2016. We all know that the first and most important step in the long journey to holding our book in our hands is to write, excuse me, a great book, including paying for the services of a good editor and for a good cover designer. We all know that if we want anyone other than our family and friends to read our page turner or quiet masterpiece, we must find ways to let potential readers know about it and as a consequence look forward to reading it. This guest post is by Jenny, spelled J A E E J A E J E, excuse me, J E N N I, Ogden. Mm. Ogden is the author of Fractured Minds and Trouble in Mind. Her first novel, A Drop in the Ocean, will be published by She Writes Press, May 2016. Visit her on Facebook or on Twitter at Jenny, um, lowercase. Slash Ogden or at 
JennyOgden.com. If you are like me, the very words, quote, marketing, end quote, and, quote, publicity, end quote, exhaust you. Still, there is nothing for it but to get on with it and read the numerous Kindle books on the subject. Soon, you'll be clicking into the free webinars run by crazily successful entrepreneur writers who have 20,000 subscribers on their email list and write three or more books a year, usually in the same gripping series. But what if this is your first book and it took you years to write? What if your next book will take another two years to write? What if your books are the kind that still sell well in actual bookshops rather than as e-books? What if you want to see if they might sell in a bookshop? If this is a goal, you will need to find a distributor who sells into bookshops. This could be via a good, high-quality, pay-for-service or partnership publisher. If you are published by an independent press who covers all your publishing and distribution costs, that's all to you, but you may still decide you need your own publicist. A publicist's job is to find publicity for your book and for you, the fascinating author of this and future books. Publicity is free coverage of your book in the media, such as reviews and interviews and stories about you. Marketing is a different beast. It is paid coverage. This might be in a form of Facebook ads, Goodreads, giveaways, and so on. The downside of good hmm. publicists is that they are not cheap. They will probably cost you considerably more than that fantastic editor because they need to spend more hours over a longer time period working for you and your book. A standard fee for an experienced publicist in the U.S. might be $100 an hour, and you will need their services for four months prior to publication and two to three months after. Not, of course, for 40 hours a week, but perhaps for 50 to 100 hours in total spread out over the time period required. That's $5,000 to $10,000 for a modest publicity campaign. If you want bells and whistles such as bookstore tours and website design, your fee may be much higher. On top mm. of that will be the cost of book galleys, postage of those galleys to reviewers and media, contest fees, and more. Chances are you may not recoup this investment. But here's the thing. If you intend to write more books, the right publicity will help get your name and your writing voice known and build those crucial loyal readers. If you have already spent 2,000-plus hours writing your book and have invested in an editor, copy editor, and cover, then what is better? Invest in more dollars wisely and hoping you will sell enough books to make your losses less painful or even make a profit or selling 100 copies to friends before your book sinks without trace? So how can a publicist assist you to achieve these miracles? From my experience so far, as an author of a first novel and not as a publicist, here are some of the things publicists do. One, they read your book and love it and feel confident that they can find storylines, angles that relate to you or the themes in your book that will interest your target potential readers. Two, they know how to write a press release and the other stuff that a press kit needs and they know who to send it to and when. Three, they know the right way to pitch the media, print, blog sites, trade reviewers, interviewers, TV, radio, and they have a long list of contacts they can choose from. Four, they come up with angles you hadn't thought of for articles and blog posts that you write with your name and new book details attached 
your byline and that they pitch. Five, they plan your publicity campaign and keep you on track, making sure deadlines aren't missed. Six, they suggest contests you might enter and enter your book. Seven, they put your book on sites like NetGalley to garner reviews, and when appropriate, they follow up on their queries and submissions. Eight, they may organize blog tours, in-person book tours, social network, and a website. And nine, they hmm. stay cheerful and optimistic and keep you calm and focused, and they celebrate your small and large achievements along the way. Perhaps you can do it yourself. Yes, you can, but it will take a lot of time, research, and trial and error, and likely won't be as effective as a good publicist would be. That's the beauty mm. of experts why I go to a doctor if I think I have some terrible illness rather than experimenting with treatments purchased over the Internet. Okay, so you'll hire a publicist. How, who, when? The same rules apply as for finding the right editor. Finding a publicist should begin as soon as you have decided you want your book in bookshops and you have a distributor who can hand sell the booksellers or you plan to take a road trip and do it yourself out of your car boot. Seek recommendations from trusted author and publisher friends. Interview a few publicists before you decide, before you sign a contract. Make sure the publicist reads and, quote, gets, and quote, your book and can genuinely be a champion for it. Ask for the names mm-hmm. of their other authors who write in your genre and contact those authors and ask them for a confidential opinion. Seek a publicist you feel at ease with. Check how flexible they are regarding their time. For example, do they offer set packages that run for a set time, or will they spread their time out over a longer period, which may work more effectively for your book? Find out how they prefer to communicate and make sure this fits with your preferences. Sign a formal contract. Be ready and willing to play your part. This means being an effective communicator and meeting deadlines if you are writing articles and blog posts preparing well for interviews and book tours, and showing up on time. The biggest plus of having a great publicist is that it becomes fun when you have someone on your side, even if they are paid to be there, sharing your triumphs, whether it is a fabulous review from an unknown reader or that call from Oprah. The end of the article. Mm. Excellent. Mm. I'm going to ask Elder Skysky. Skysky, do you have any uh, remarks you'd like to... Give it the mm, time. Not no, not not really, not really, Francine. I'm just kind of listening. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm just listening. Yeah. A lot of good information there, Queen Zipporah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So definitely, whenever you have the time, feel free to post on the Exceptional Scribble Show fan page. And I'll just copy, or you can email it to me, and I'll post it myself mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone can um, go and visit and acquire this information. Because I think firsthand, um, you know, when you're trying to you're trying to get published, and you you want your book to reach not just on a local level, you want it to go across the waters, you know, overseas. You want people to be able to buy it um, no matter where they reside, whether they're in the U.S., outside of the U.S. 
you want to make sure that you covered all bases uh, prior to its release and, and even as for the publisher. You want to know that your publisher is pro that happening, you know, for yeah. you. And like you made mention of, um, a, uh, I believe you said a lit, lit, is that a publicist? Yeah, a publicist, yeah. Yes, the importance of, you know, these are the experts. These are the ones that a lot of them, they, they attended workshops or trainings. They've done a lot of research, and they, they've done their homework, so they know yeah. The things that maybe you, just being the gifted writer, maybe you're not you're not well informed about mm-hmm. or well versed of. Mm-hmm. So it makes good sense. Mm-hmm. Um, just like one of the, I believe one of the tips that you provided us with tonight, which um, I really liked it, and that is the one: uh, write in handful of common knowledge when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to suggest that it's now made common knowledge because of us promoting this on this platform tonight to our listeners. Now they know. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to play publicist like people play house and play doctor. (laughs) You don't really know what you're doing, but you kind of feel in your way. (laughs) And you're going to make a lot of mistakes. It's going to cost you a lot of money. (laughs) And you're just not going to get the same satisfaction outcome as you would going to the expert who knows, who can avoid those pitfalls that you don't know to avoid, and who can save you dollars where you wouldn't know dollars can be saved. So we're just trying to help. We're just trying to say, look, there's an easy way to do this. There's a hassle-free way. To do this, we won't say easy in general because we know a lot of times it's not easy. It's easier said than done. But we can say hassle free. So we're going to say yeah. ha- we'll go with that hassle free. Yeah. If you hire that publicist and and they know they already know the route. You know, it's yeah. like when you're driving. You go to MapQuest.com if you're not sure, or you go to GPS.com <laughs> if you're not sure of the road that lies ahead. You just put in the destination. GPS will take you there. It will let you know you turn here or you stay straight. So, you know, there are some helps. What we're seeing, listeners, to our listening audiences, there are helps in place. There are supports. You don't have to take this journey alone. Even right. tuning in tonight, you know, it's um, uh, Elder Skysky Rio. He's calling all the way from the U.S. Virgin Islands, and he's yeah. helping us, you know, in a big way, giving information, good questions. These are questions, questions he's proposing. These are things that we should be asking ourselves when we want to master the craft as a literary yeah. artist or we want to become published. So, you know, uh, Queen Zipporah, she does a lot of reading. She's an avid reader, but she's a researcher. So she's also making sure that she validates her sources. So when she comes to us from week to week, she's not just talking out of her head and telling us what she thinks or what she mm. believes. She's telling us what she knows, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so you can take it to that bank. 
She's letting you know this is guaranteed, okay? If you utilize this information, you're going to achieve whatever your literary uh, goals are, and you won't be disappointed. So I have to commend you, Queen Zipporah, because I know that um, you are disciplined as for what you do, and you would dare not provide us with information that wasn't valid. So thank you for that information. I'm going to pass the mic back into your hands. And if you have any questions for Skysky or myself that you'd like to pose to us before presenting information, we can do it that way too because it's all about enlightenment and empowerment tonight. Yeah, I don't have any questions. I do have a comment. And I've, um, from mm-hmm. y'all talking, you know, you're, it's also helping you. You know, you were commenting on, you know, what I read. Oh, okay. I, I, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And Skysky, wouldn't you agree to that? Yes, I agree. I definitely agree, man. Because, um, you know, getting another perspective because I, I do read, but I, I don't really know the, you know, what what goes into it and mm-hmm. the, the the hard road it seems like to, to not only be, be a good writer, but to get it heard, you know, and right. someone to uh-huh. channel. So I'm just curious and... Yes, it's good to know. You know, good to know all this information for sure. Yeah. It's it's not, it's not just about you know writing a book, man. It's a lot more to it. Yeah, that's 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 it. I love how yeah. you put that. Cause I have to say, mm-hmm. a lot of people, they just want to write a book. I've heard them say it. You know, I just want to write a book. You know, I want to mm-hmm. get it published. I want it you know, to be sold in bookstores. And it's like, well, what is your end game? <laughs> what's your plan? You gotta have right, plan. yeah, like, um, what's the mission? I understand you want to become published, but, you know, who, who's your target audience? Those key questions. Mm-hmm. And then they draw a blank, and it's like, well, all of this is what you do first. Mm-hmm. You got to have, like Queens of Forest said, with your plan of action has to be concrete or – you're just you're wasting your time, and the readers are going to get that feeling like this person didn't really put much into this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, yeah. you know, people they they read books and they literally say things like that. Like, yeah. you know, I read that book and it was too basic, or it wasn't really. I didn't get that feeling that I got like when I read this one. That means that person right. didn't put as much right. of their soul into that experience, mm-hmm. you right. know. Yeah. And I also want to comment that when I had said, you know, on an episode about stories, you know, being real, you know, and it's true is because the stories tell the writers know when, you know, when to stop, when to start and when to stop. That's right. Mm. They have a voice. And I'm glad yeah. you said that. Um, words are alive. Mm-hmm. Their spirit, energy. hmm vibration, right. power, you know, it's a lot. And I think sometimes we take uh, the very gift of language and, and speech and, and our voice, we take it too lightly, mm-hmm. not knowing what it all really truly is. 
Mm-hmm. And so we have people that they don't understand when they're writing something, they're shifting things in a very atmosphere. It's just the same as when you speak something, you speak it into existence. Right. If it's not already, it shall be. And a, a lot of what we're seeing today, somebody spoke this into existence centuries, eons before today. Right. You know, even the digital era was spoken about before it actually came into fruition. So we need to know the power of language and speech, the spoken word, you know, and that it's, it's, I say it again, it's a sacred right. And I think that it's too often mishandled. Yeah. And that's why, uh, as Queen before, Queen Fran, and mishandled, and that's why, you know, it makes chaos. It's not what I had wanted to say, something else that came, but instead, you know, that word chaos. And then that's when you have, you know, problems is because you're making corrections on things. And mm. then, you know, the incorrection has been, you know, just accepted. But when you come making corrections, when you do with the red pen, you're going well. to, you know, stir things out of order. Mm. Powerful. Chaos. Mm-hmm. Powerful words. Wow. You, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm going to just piggyback on that statement and say, um, this upcoming presidential election, who's going to be U.S. president in 2016? The man who is taking command. As for his presence and his audience, I would say the strongest is Trump. Not that I'm endorsing him. I'm not endorsing him. I'm not endorsing any of the candidates, honestly. However, he knows the power of words, and I can tell, because he says just the right things to make people act. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Queen Fran and uh, this is Queen Zipporah, yeah, and uh, make people act, you know, violent. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like if yeah, I can cause the- them to do things in a way that's disorder, and then I come out and I execute order, that makes me look mm-hmm. like I know how to run things. I'm I'm reading it in that regard. All of the other ones are kind of trying to be and do, but they're not really commanding the whole audience or commanding the situation like he is. And it's all about word choice. Yeah. It's all about word choice. Yeah, and Queen Fran, I also like to comment on what you said about the word choice. And before that, it's one word. It's called identifying with the aggressor. Mm. Yeah, I've become Dr. Sapora Selman on this psychological. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Sapora Selman has spoken, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we're in school tonight, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm. so I'm loving this. Thanks. Mm. 
Alan Swift is using is called Identify with the Aggressor. This thing with, you know, like Adolf Hitler and all these other dictators, which mm-hmm. is him, Benito Mussolini. And what I also found, and um, this reminded me of a paper that I wrote about blame, is that to blame me has to be a noun that every that the blamer and everyone else hates. Interesting, interesting. So we're seeing, and you named Adolf Hitler. You named some people that rose to power by some unconventional means, some of them, or just what we would say they were not very polite. Mm-hmm. As for social mores. But quite political because they knew how to acquire the response that they needed in order to rise to power and control many people. Yeah. It's a scary, scary, scary thing. And a lot of people are comparing Trump to Hitler, actually. Yeah. And it's tactics. And I watched, um, most recently there was the one Raleigh, and it's like people are losing control of themselves. This man makes a, a statement, and he, and I said, that's a, a master at what he does. He makes a statement. He says a line or two, and everything's up in smoke. Yeah. You tell people what they want to hear, and they'll believe it without questioning. It's called the power of uncertainty. I tell you, I just hope that people are taking note in in a positive light and saying to themselves, you know, what he's doing is not so positive, the outcome, but if I can turn it around and be just as effective, but use it in a positive way Mm -hmm. to build communities, to um, reestablish the family where family, homes, home environments are broken, um, to say things that would be empowerment Mm -hmm. and not to make people subservient or feel subject to me, meaning they have to follow me in order to get results. And, you, you know, know. Here's, another, yeah, and here's another thing, too. I was just thinking of a couple of things. The first is that I'm pretty sure there were Nazis that were, you know, anti-Hitler. <laughs> Say that um, one more time, and just louder if you can just project your voice. Pretty, all right, can you hear me now? Yes. All right, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there were Nazis that were anti-Hitler. I heard that. I am very sure there were Nazis that were anti-Hitler. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And yes, indeed. And then the second thing is how Jesse Owens Jr. and I was looking at this whole juxtaposition when Jesse Owens Jr. competed in the um, was it the 1936 Berlin Olympics? Mm-hmm. He said how Adolf Hitler shook his hand for FDR, you know, wouldn't even invite him to the White House. And I found right. it like very. I found it to be twisted because if. And this, you know, reminded me of an ideology that I learned called the Nazi ideology. Mm -hmm. They went, they were for the blonde-haired, blue-eyed German. Mm 
themselves were dark hair, dark eyed. Mm. Two. There was something you said about Jesse Owens because I know this movie is now um, soon yeah. to play in theaters based on that. I heard and it yeah, Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens Jr. Yeah, he. It was weird, you know. It was like twisted juxtaposed that here. You know, Hitler was supposed to be was supposed to be so prejudiced and was only pro right. here, blue eyed German. You know, going right. to shake the black American man's hand. And, uh, but um, oh, sorry, sorry to cut you. Yeah, it's alright. I, I, I heard he actually gave a, a nice ceremony for Jer- Jesse Owens. You know, he he, he you know treated him really well. You know, yeah, that's, that's it, it's, that's it's twisted. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what the Nazi ideology is. You know, they were you know for for the pro, they were going against their own interests. Mhm. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's that's something to consider. Mhm. Yeah. Well, I'm known for being Doctor Zephora Selman, so I'm going to be Zephora Selman, the writer. Ain't no need different roles. All right, and I'm going to continue on with the uh, next two articles, which I discovered are connected to the first one. Should I pay for a publicist? Okay. Is the second one ten lessons learned behind the scenes of a book deal? A short month, this is by Jessica Strother, February 18, 2016. A short month ago, a few, excuse me, a few short months ago, I wrote about my path to getting an agent and a publisher and promised to share my experiences leading up to the publication of my debut novel, Almost Missed You, due out in 2017 from St. Martin's Press. You might think that as the editor of Writer's Digest magazine and given my earlier years spent editing nonfiction books, I would know more or less what to expect from the process. But I, excuse me, but I discovered that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes on the author's side, emotions to navigate, new steps to take that I haven't seen discussed much elsewhere, perhaps even more so with a, quote, big five, end quote, publisher. So let's take a look at what I've learned in my early months as a debut novelist in progress and how it might help you know what to expect and how to position yourself with success. I've outlined 10 lessons overall and we'll be delivering them in two installments, five today and five more on Monday. Let's Mm -hmm. start at the beginning. One, once you're offered a book contract, it takes a while to get the well contract. It was right around eight weeks for me, which my agent indicated was typical. I wasn't really bothered by this, but my husband, who works in finance and insurance, where nobody touches anything until signatures are in place, was a bit white-knuckled. He could not believe that my editor, agent, and I were all, all already working on various things for and with each other with nothing signed. What if it falls through in the negotiation stages? Think of having an offer accepted on a house. You do inspections, loan approvals, tacking, storing, and more in good faith the closing will go through. All the while, your real estate agent, there's that word again, is doing even more work behind the scenes on your behalf. You have to trust him or her. Are there a few horror stories out there about things falling apart? Sure, but most of the time you walk away with keys. 
So if you're cut from the same cloth as my husband and what a handsome cloth it is, know that this is more or less the norm. As long as you have a reputable, means well-known agent and publisher, try to trust that things will work out. Two, each book has its own contract. I was offered a two-book deal for standalone upmarket women's fiction, but if you get one, two, one, two, T-O-O, or a three-book deal or 12 books, quit your day job and buy an island deal, know that, at least in my case, what you heard called a, quote, two-book contract, end quote, is actually two separate but identical contracts. My first one is for Almost Missed You, a completed manuscript that they read and wanted to acquire. But the second is simply a contract for, quote, untitled number two, a work of fiction approximately 90,000 to 100,000 words and less, end quote. And in that kind of vagueness, which means not clear or distinct to the sight or any other sense, scares you the way it scares me. Number three, it'll do a lot for your anxiety level if you can pin down a concept and open the chapters for book two while awaiting the revision letter for book one. Concept means a plan or intention. This is true, by the way, even if your deal isn't for two books. You'd still like to publish another one, right? When mm. I signed... <clears throat> oh, you know what? Let me make a correction on the concept. Uh, when I looked it up, the concept is a plan or intention. But what it means for a book is needed for the plot. All right, great. Continue the article. When I mm-hmm. signed with my agent, she asked, Why, what are you working on now? Let's just say I've been going through a quote, and, quote, undecided, end quote, phase with my writing. Truth be told, I've been, quote, working on, end quote, spinning my wheels and sipping gin and tonic on my deck during my regular writing hours after the kids were in bed. I know, I know, this breaks a cardinal, quote, rule, end quote, of submitting, always be working on the next thing. But sometimes you're feeling stymied, which means prevent or hinder the progress of and need to regroup. Personally, I think those periods of self-assessment are okay, healthy, even but it might not be ideal, which means perfect, to get a call offering representation in the middle of one such period, especially when your new agent then sells your book in just two weeks in a two-book deal. Fortunately, my agent also likes liquor on ice on a crisp evening. Here's looking at you, Barbara Powell. And when I confessed, she told me exactly what to work on next. Another women's fiction in the same vein. Another women's fiction in the same vein. She repeated it a few times, probably some sort of hypnotic trick she uses on new clients. I started working up a concept immediately, and though the publisher's offer came just two weeks later, I was knee-deep in notes by the time it did. Thank goodness. So while waiting to find out what revision would be requested for Almost Missed You, I set about turning those new raw notes into a premise and sample chapters. I knew I'd feel better once all involved had given a thumbs up to something slightly more specific than untitled, end quote, untitled number two, end quote. Four, wait, did I say, quote, anxiety level, end quote? You probably pictured the excitement that will come when you get, quote, the call, end quote, the squills of elation, the uncorking of celebratory champagne. Savor them. 
milestones are meant to be celebrated, especially the ones we worked years for, dreamed of since we were young. But if you're like me, you might not anticipate the undercurrent of trepidation, which means a feeling of fear or agitation about something that may happen. Mm. Okay. That comes with it. You know you've written one long and hard-fought story that's good enough to instill a publisher's confidence. Yay, but it's a thing you've never done before. And now you have to do it again on demand and on deadline. I want to comment on uh, the last two sentences, on demand and on deadline, is that when you're writing, you know, especially if you're writing a series, you have to pretend that you're on a deadline and that will help you finish it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I continue with the article. It's the kind of problem every as yet unpublished author longs to have. So when it happens, yes, you'll know you're lucky to have this particular breed of anxiety, but you'll still be anxious, and that's okay. And number five, it really is okay. You're part of a team now. Your agent and editor do not want to set you up to fail. You're all in it together. It's going to work out a lot better for them if you succeed, and that means they'll do what they can to help you when you need it. My agent loved my book, too, premise, but I had some feedback on my sample chapters. I listened closely. I rewrote them and was grateful for how much better they were. While I had never shown anyone such a raw, incomplete draft before, and you better believe I was nervous about doing so, it occurred to me that it was kind of, a perk to get feedback before I went too far in the wrong direction. Next up, we'll be we'll discuss evaluating revision letters, the actual revision process, the waiting game, and much more. Click here to read part two, which I printed off. In the meantime, what you have been in the meantime, what have been your most valuable lessons throughout your own first forays into publishing? whether that's a byline, a book deal, or a self-publishing project, leave a comment below to join the conversation. After all, the writing journey, like so many other journeys, is better if it's shared. And before I can um, close out, I'm going to read some definitions. And still, mm-hmm. is gradually but firmly establishing an idea, an idea or attitude, especially a desirable one in a person's mind and premise means based on argument, theory, or undertaking on those two are the misdefinitions. The end of the article. Skyski, do you have any commentary you'd like to provide from based on what we've heard? Well, I'm I'm kind of picturing it now. How I'm thinking how a boxer how he has to start out mm-hmm. with all the the licks and punches and find a good agent and. I'm seeing the similarities here, but perhaps not in a, you know, a ballistic fashion, you know. Right. It, it seems like a rough road, man. Uh, uh, you know, not intimidating, but you know, you got to know, got to be on your game. It seems like. Yes. You know, and I'm, I'm sure to find a good person, like Zippor mentioned. You know, you have to go through a few to to, to get to that one good yeah. support group. Right. Who's trying to not trying to rip you off or right, yeah. up your spirit. And are you having this publishing information and it's your weapon and you can easily mm. 
presented, you don't have to use it. But here's the trick is that those scam agents will uh, automatically trigger the weapons. <laughs> mm. they, yep, and that's why they go off. They get really, they're not angry. They're scared. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Because you come hitting armed and dangerous. <laughs> sounds scary. <laughs> Just kidding. So yeah, in the military, yeah, that's what I say. You go and you ask questions about the agent, especially if they don't have ones that's posted. And if they're ready to, you know, bite your head off, mm-hmm. then you realize, uh oh, that was a red flag. You're an imposter. <laughs> mm. I'm very curious tonight about that dream you had that we were discussing last week. Oh, y'all still remember? remember? <laughs> yeah. About the animals. <laughs> yep. Remembered it, man. Mm. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I wanted to wait for the right time to bring it up. I, I hope I wasn't too ambitious. Oh. Well, this is what we'll do because um, I think it's the right time whenever it's, it's made mention of. But before we go into that, we're going to take a music break because uh, Queen Zipporah has shared so much. I want to give her a chance that she needs to um, get some Mm -hmm. things to drink, to refreshing yourself. If anybody needs to step away, maybe get some food, a little snacking. So we'll take a, a, I guess, a two to three minute music break and we'll hear... This is a, an artist by the name of Andra Day, and we're going to be listening to a song entitled Rise Up. And just in case anyone does not know, we're paying tribute also by tonight, with tonight's uh, show, episode 101, to women of renown who have impacted the music community and also the literary arts community. Um, as for the literary arts community, we're honoring um, Queen Mother, an elder, who now is our ancestor, the late, great Maya Angelou. And there Whoa. is a po- poem which will be read later um, uh, on during the show entitled Still I Rise, which she wrote, which will mm. be recited but for now, um, we have already heard uh, Still I Rise, which was by Yolanda Adams, and now we're hearing uh, Rise Up by Andra Day. Enjoy. Any type of relationship. It's actually really just about, you know, I look at everyone as we are all brothers and sisters. And we are all, you know, sort of a body working together, you know. So Rise Up is really about saying one piece isn't better than the other, you know, and when this part is struggling, I'm going to, help you. I'm going to lift you up. I'll be that. If you're going through pain, I'll go through the pain with you. You know, if you're celebrating, I'll celebrate with you, you know. So it's just sort of saying, I will rise up for you. He's broken down there. Can't find out why I'm I see it in you, so we go walking out. Ooh, mountain, we 
Yes, 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 yes. That was Andrew Day singing. Oh, my gosh. I think this song has been number one on many music charts, and it's one of the most requested songs now. Um, I believe this is a song that speaks to the human spirit and especially one that affirms the integrity of the human spirit and the dignity of the human spirit. And that means this, no matter what one encounters, it is inevitable that your spirit is going to rise up. Your spirit shall rise up. Nothing can hold you down when your spirit is allowed to be free. It will rise up. So um, that, with that being said, I just want to pay tribute to the heroines, past, present, and future, because this is Women's History Month, her story, our story for us women. Um, and we want everyone to be aware that, yes, women are still the queens, the queen mothers of the village. Oh, my goodness. So many things I can say. And we just want them to know, all of our ancestors, to know we love you, we honor you, we pay tribute to you. And all of the seeds that were sown, all of the wisdom that you imparted, it was not in vain. And I say this in in and so with a high salute to the women ancestors of my family, of my ancestral line, as well as of others. We salute you to those of you whom have been and still are, because your guardians and our ancestors um very instrumental in our lives. Um you're like the wind beneath our wings. For most of us, it doesn't matter male or female we can all attest to the fact that some woman paved the way to our success. And we're not denouncing men at all. We're acknowledging that, yes, we're going to pay tribute to them too, but for Women's History, Her Story, Our Story Month, we're acknowledging our heroines, our queens, our empresses, our princesses, Past, present, and future. We love you. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. We acknowledge them. Well, Queen Zipporah, the mic yeah. is returned back into your hands and um, take us home. All right. Here's the third article, the final one. Ten Lessons Learned Behind the Scenes of a Bookdale Part 2 by Jessica Strasser, mm. February 22, 2016. A few short mm. months ago, I wrote mm-hmm. about my past. Dikey, were you saying something? No, 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 I'm, I'm listening. Oh, oh. Sorry. Mm. I, wrote, I wrote about my path to getting an agent and a publisher and promised to share my experiences leading up to the publication of my debut novel, Almost Missed You, Throughout mm. in 2017 from St. Martin's Press. 
You might think that as the editor of Writer's Digest magazine and given my earlier years spent editing nonfiction books, I would know more or less what to expect from the process. But I discovered that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes on the author's side, perhaps even more so with a, quote, big five, end quote, publisher. Emotions to navigate, new steps to take that I haven't seen discussed much elsewhere. So let's take a look at what I've learned in my early months as a debut novelist in progress and how it might help you know what to expect and how to position yourself for success. I've outlined Mm -hmm. 10 lessons overall. Last week's post featured the first five, looking at what to expect right after you sign. 10 lessons learned Mm -hmm. behind the scenes of a book deal, part one. And today we'll look at six through 10. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number six. Don't react to your revision letter until you've reread your novel. We've all heard the advice to sit with feedback before we react, but it's never more important than now when it's officially game time. When I received my first ever revision letter in which your editor outlines what changes he or she would like to see, ranging from characters further developed to plot holes filled to subtle stylistic smoothovers before the manuscript was officially accepted for publication. There were a few points I wasn't initially sure I agreed were necessary, but by the time I'd worked my way back through the novel with them in mind, for every single word, I had a moment of, well, I guess at this spot I could add slash lose slash change slash finesse this one thing. You'll be glad you waited until after those moments to discuss your overall revision strategy with your editor. Number seven, have a phone call with your editor. Some people have a conditional phone call with their editor when they're first interested in their book, but I wasn't one of them. We were introduced via email by my agent after the deal was done. In her revision letter, my editor offered a phone call if I wanted one, but the requested changes were fairly minor. I didn't have many questions, and those I did have seemed easy enough to clarify via email. Then I had lunch with a friend who said, so this is the editor you'll be working with long-term, right? We'd be crazy not to take her up on it. I asked for a 15-minute, quote, quick check-in, end quote, call, and ended up spending a highly enjoyable and informative 45 minutes on the line with my editor chatting, getting to know each other, and learning what to expect from the process. My friend was right. I've been cra- I have been crazy to pass that up. If you're offered a phone call, take it. Thanks. Hope right there. I want to pause for a moment and acknowledge For Real the Poet has joined the call. Welcome, For Real the Poet. Hello, hello. Hi, sir. Um, we're we're glad. We're glad that you could join in tonight. We're currently, of course, um, in our publishing tips hour, but I know that you may be calling from work, and is your time with us limited to maybe like five minutes or so? Uh, I have to. Uh, I've got about 29 minutes. Okay. Well, this is what we'll do. Queen Zipporah currently is providing some publishing tips for all of our listening audience. It doesn't matter whether you are a published author or someone who's contemplating becoming one. So if you could hold on, we're going to go right to you first as okay. for poetry. We would love to hear some inspiring poetry from you. And, of course, we thank you 
for joining Thank us tonight. You. Thank you, and welcome, guests. I'll be holding. All right. Thanks so much. We'll be back with you. Greetings, greetings. Gorilla Poet? Yes. That's um, Elder Skysky Rio. He's calling out to you, saying greetings. He's joining greetings. us all the way from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Greet. Oh, wow. Greetings, Elder. Much love, and God bless you. Thanks, man. Likewise, the same, brother. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Yeah, Much, my pleasure, my pleasure. Okay, bless you. Thanks. Queens of Par? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm here. <clears throat> Continuing on. Number eight, be prepared to make sacrifices. <clears throat> I got my revision letter just before the holidays, which was a good news slash bad news scenario. <clears throat> the good was that I had some vacation days on the calendar, and the bad was that my Christmas vacation wasn't going to be much of a vacation. The hardest part wasn't even trying to get ready to host the holidays, including family coming in from out of state, cleaning, shopping, baking, and wrapping with a corner of my mind on my manuscript. The hardest part was the three days after Christmas that I set aside to take my kids to daycare so I could focus on the revision. It wasn't just that I felt guilty. It was just that I missed those cozy days we usually spend playing with their new toys, watching movies, eating leftover cookies. But those days enabled me to minimize January weekend and even an hours away from my family at the laptop, and they allowed me to meet my deadline without losing my mind. Sometimes something's got to give. This isn't business as before, an elusive goal you're working toward. This is a real job now. Your priorities are going to have to shift from time to time. Mm-hmm. Number nine. Well, Washington. can you stop right there? Wow, I, I, we got a pause on that one. I want to hear some feedback, um, Elder Skysky, about the truth uh, w- which was just declared in regards to sacrifice and how that is so very necessary if you want to become a published author and you want to do it the best way. Can you just touch on sacrifice and what you perceive that as meaning? Well, time time for one thing. Um, you know, sacrificing your time to, just like anything, you know, in boxing, running, because you have to sacrifice your time and also your, uh, let's see, your, your, your vision and make it more three-dimensional, like the colors and... That's mm. that's kind of what I gathered gathered from it, you know, just time and sacrifice. I'm, I'm not, I don't know, ten. I'm not, I'm not sure, Francine. I'm, I'm really not. Oh, okay. I well, I thank you for what you were sure about that you gave because that was key right there. You know, time management. I think um, in regards to time management, a lot of people fell because they fell at time management. They're very skilled, very knowledgeable, but mm-hmm. time management requires a, a certain discipline. And not all of us come to the table bringing that experience with us. But it's something that, you know, it takes time to learn and to acquire, but we need it. It's very essential when you want to succeed. Mm-hmm in uh, right. publishing, and especially in being a writer and being one 
that will be respected as for your literary composition. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. welcome. We're gonna You're very welcome. Just, we're gonna move on. Um, for real, the poet, would you like to just share from your experience as a writer, as a spoken word artist, as a um, show producer and creator that's a creative mind artist as well if you can share the necessity of sacrifice how that is so very vital to one who desires to operate or function on the master or mastery level as an artist as an artist uh, I would say as an artist as a, as a Write as well. Uh, it, it does take some mastering. I had uh, started my writing process, uh, I believe, uh, 2006. I didn't um, publish my book until uh, last year. Last year. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and that, and I would like to say, uh, uh, looking back, that that was due to, uh, uh, due to part to lack of knowledge in, in the. Uh, Publishing uh, myself, mm-hmm. along with um, not being organized. I was doing. Oh, organized. okay. Or being organized. You brought up another um, key. Thank you. Okay. You know, I was not doing a little bit of everything. I was editing. I was still writing. Uh, I, I didn't have my my works in order. I just had a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a friend of mine who who has about sixteen books published, and he just told me, "Hold up, let's do this. Get the pieces that you want in your book. Okay, and those pieces. Let's start with the pieces. So I edited all the pieces. Once I knew all the pieces I wanted, edited all the pieces I wanted. Um, things became more clear and more smooth for me. And you know. And, and and the knowledge came during the um the whole process of it actually. He was more knowledgeable than I am. So I was mm-hmm. a lot with him. You know, still listening. Still learning, and still trying to do that uh, you know, of um of publishing, uh, of writing, uh, you know every facet of who I am, you know, even as a performer and um Artists, yeah. Still, still, you know, sharpening that that iron, or they just work. Like anything else that we love doing, uh, it takes diving into it and, and working at it. it you know, mm. so often operate by natural talent and ability and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. if you want to further, you have to, you know, apply a little bit more to that, and. Um, go all the way in. Mm. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thanks so much for that input. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. Queen Zipporah, yeah. the mic is returned to your hands. All right. Number nine, wash, rinse, repeat. It's not just for hair. Judging from some of the questions I've gotten over the past month or two, I think some people are under the impression that a revision pass is just that one pass. For me, it was more like four. Mm. First, 
a read-through looking for all the areas relevant to points raised in a revision letter, revision letter making some changes, but also notes on what my overall plan would be to address the points raised. Second, a pass-through to more cohesively implement my revision plan one chapter at a time. Third, a week away from the manuscript to try to get enough distance to be able to reevaluate it objectively. I used this time to complete lingering fact checks. I had a nurse friend read my ER scene to make sure nothing rang untrue. I arranged a call with a retired FBI special agent to verify procedural plot points. I input corrections based on these checks before doing my final read. So my editor didn't request that I do these things, but they sure made me feel better. And fourth, a final read-through to check continuity and cohesiveness. Every author is different, but in my case, this really did seem to be the bare minimum I would have, I would have been comfortable with, and this was a fairly minor revision. If you think that sounds like a lot of work to do in roughly six weeks with a full-time job, a holiday season, two small kids, and your daughter's second birthday all falling in that window, you're right. And 10, waiting happens at all stages, not just initial submission. I beat my deadline by a few days, which felt like a triumph, and now I wait. I'm trying not to dwell on where my editor's feedback will fall and what I presume to be the spectrum of revision responses. One, this is the best work I have ever seen from a debut author. Where have you been all my editorial life? Two, this does the job nicely. Thank you. Three, nice work overall. Just a few points I think we should revisit once more. And four, what did you do to it? This book used to be good. I am really, really hoping to hear anything but the last one. In the meantime, I'm learning, as we all do, as we all do, to not stop tempting, though even in gin and tonics might be, but simply shift gears. I'm building an online home at jessicastrawther.com. I'd be honored if you stop by and have a look. Launching a Facebook author page and, of course, working on the next book. <clears throat> More on all that in a future post. What have, you, what have been your most valuable lessons throughout your own first forays in the publishing, whether that's a byline, a book deal, or a self-publishing project? Leave a comment below to, to join the conversation. After all, the writing journey, like so many other journeys, is better if it's shared. On Facebook, let's connect. On Twitter, give me a shout. Yours in writing, Jessica Strasser, editor, Writer's Digest magazine. Subscribe today. Your writing, excuse me, your writing will thank you. The end of the article. Mm. Interesting. Mm. You um, would you like to comment, Skysky? Uh, or give a remark? No, I'm just. It's a lot. It's a lot to, to process. I'm just putting it all together, really. Very interesting, though. No, no comment. Okay. No comment. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Queen Zipporah. Yeah. Are we, are we shifting now, or did you still have a few more key 
points to make in regards to the article that you're um, sharing in dialogue with everyone tonight? Uh, that's the end of those three articles that I'm reading for tonight. I had six those because I was uh, realized that I was, you know, entering into like the publishing process itself, mm-hmm. and it's something that a lot of people, you know, have that, you know, common thing, the common thinking. Oh, well, once I sign that contract, you know, I'm done. But there's more to it than that, and that's why, as I said before, you know, in another episode, it's important to know about the business side of publishing so that it's all right that your agent and editor, you know, publicist, whoever, that your teammate is all right for them to know, but then you as the author also need to know because you're the main person that this work is, you know, coming from, and your team is just distributing it. And so people are going to, you know, they're going to, they're, going to be looking at, you know, the team, like, where did you find this author? He or she is good slash bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then another thing you have to look at is that as long as the thing has, you know, good management, then your project is going to be successful. And because you're trusting teams that, you know, they're the experts, they're the professional veterans that know, are supposed to know what they're doing. So you're trusting right. your work with them. I and mean, if anything goes wrong, then they can easily, you know, they were the ones that would do this and easily just blame the author. Like, don't blame the author. Don't blame the author because, mm-hmm. you know, the team was supposed to know what they were doing. And this is my mm-hmm. situation that I had that I had to escape from is when <clears throat> someone was trying to mess up my work, and then I was thinking, you know, they're going to be, you know, the audience leaders will be looking at me. Mm. I think that's significant right there. You have to take ownership of your success as well as of your composition. When you are the scribe, when you are the poet, or even as a performance artist, you have to take command of your stage. And you have to captivate your audience. I always say within the first one to three minutes, if you have not captivated your audience, you can call it a night. All that you do, pressing forward, it's forced. You're imposing, you're now imposing your art history onto them. You have to be, it is your responsibility to make a connection with your audience. A matter of fact, it's as simple as this. As soon as you step foot on that stage, eye contact is essential. Body language is essential. You can literally turn your audience off from being receptive to you because you're not making good eye contact. You didn't smile. You didn't do an icebreaker warm-up session. You didn't, you didn't include them in your first introduction statement. It's as simple as saying, how are you doing tonight? It's call and response. Let them know that they matter. You're there for them. A lot of times people become so self-absorbed, and they just go right into singing, go right into acting, go right into dancing, but they have not yet connected with that audience. That's not good stage presence. And it's key. It's key that you make that connection. Queen Zippor. Yes, I was saying that Dan Brown had, 
uh, it was something similar. He said where he was, uh, he had gone to a bookstore and it was a crowd of people that was uh, waiting. And so he said to the person that was with him, he says, you know, how are we going to get through all these people? And the person was coming and said, these people are here to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he went and talked to the audience, and when he was done, you know, and uh, he asked what their questions. He said, he was asking, well, how do you get an agent? Now, they were more wanted to know more about the book, I think it was called. How about that? It's ironic. Yeah, I think that's how it went, but... Know each audience, but when you have the bestsellers, you know, of course, fans are just going to eager to meet the author, and they're going. You don't know what questions they're going to ask, so that's why you know you be prepared. But knowing that it's going to be about you know the book, you know, and then they may have you know other questions about you know how you get published, etc. But you know, the audience is key, and. <clears throat> It, but it also it depends on you know that type of um, the audience depends on their genre. If it's mm-hmm. thriller, if it's mystery, if it's horror, you know whatever is going to spark their intellect. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna tag along with you there before we invite Perilla Poet to start up our poetry round session. I'm gonna tag on to your last statement, Queen Zipporah, which is so very true. There's an audience for every artist. If your artistry is not being respected when you're on center stage, it also can be not so much that you didn't make every attempt possible to connect with your audience. Maybe that's not the right audience for you. And now I'm going to touch on, it was something I heard about, I think the Rolling Stones group. Um, When they found out the U.S. was their audience. That's when their artistry advanced forward to the next level. Now I'm going to touch on Nina Simone. When Nina Simone discovered Paris, London, Europe was the right audience for her artistry, that's when she was well respected and honored. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do as an artist is don't quit. Mm-hmm. Don't quit. A lot of times people quit because, okay, I went to this venue last night and they booed me. I watched uh, Lauren Hill get booed on the Apollo stage at the age of 13. Okay? She was booed. However, Lauren Hill today, and I believe this is a testament to the will and spirit never to quit or to die. Today, you would never think that. That, yes, she had a time, there was a time, there was a moment in time when she was booed when she was on the stage performing. So, again, to all the artists out there, you just have to be persistent and consistent. When you let them know, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere, this is my home, the stage is my home, this gift I've been given, I'm going to continue to hone this talent 
and I'm going to drive this talent on until I reach my destiny home. I'm not going to quit. It doesn't matter. Don't like me if you will, but I like me. Once you have that spirit and that determination, I don't believe you will be denied. You will find where you best fit and your target audience, which is the right audience for you, you will discover where that audience is. It may not be America for some artists. Some artists have had to go overseas. Yeah, yeah. And our queen friend here is Queen Zipporah. And uh, I wanted to comment about the gift. Your gift is not going to let you quit. Because I know when I had joined in to quit and I said I'm through, and every time I put my, when I put my pen down, I find it back in my hand. <laughs> hmm mm-hmm. And with that being said, we're not quitters. Definitely this platform does not endorse artists quitting. <laughs> we're here to say to the artists, Look, you have a gift. You've been endowed with a special gift. Don't bury it. That's what we're saying. Don't bury it. We're saying use it to its fullest extent. Don't limit your talent. Because a lot of poets who were page poets have become stage poets. We're spoken word artists and performance artists. Don't limit yourself. Don't say, I'm just this. Just because you start at A doesn't mean you're going to end at A. It may be that you started doing this, but you're going to evolve and become other disciplines within that art as a literary artist or writer. So don't inhibit yourself. Promote growth in yourself. Be willing to try new things. And guess what? If it's interesting to you, that could be a sign that that's yet another form of artistry that you are destined to venture out and to do. So don't knock it unless you've tried it. If it's interesting to you, it's interesting to you for a reason. Find out why. Yeah, Yeah, especially like when you write. You write mm-hmm. what you like, you know, if it is it's that genre is, you know, it's pulling you into, it's pulling you to it. That's right. And you have a lot of writers who just wrote, who are now writers and illustrators of their books. Because art oh, yeah. was interesting to them. Yeah. So they and said, why know. not study it a little more? <laughs> yeah, and they found out they could paint, they could sketch, they could draw. <laughs> so now they're illustrating their own books. And there were, and also there were agencies that so you can send in illustrations. You have if you have ideas, you know, for it, for your novel. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Maybe you're not the one to actually uh, draw or sketch the drawing, but you know, you have the vision. You yeah. and your your creative mind has the image, and you can transfer that knowledge onto that person that is the sketch artist or that person who is the painter, or that person who can draw, and then they can bring it to light and make it breathe. So that's where collaboration, I always say to artists, it's a hand-in-glove association. What one can't do, the other can, 
know and affiliate with a literary or with an artist community. Because in so doing, whatever you come up short in, someone else does not. And you both can complement each other. So collaboration is a must. I do stress that on this platform as well. If you want to evolve and further advance as an artist, find your collaboration partners. Find your circle of literary artists or your circle of artists in general because it will further enhance your gift and your skill set will be further enhanced. Yes, and Queen Frances is Queen Zephora. And we, you and I, are in the city of art, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And say that one more time. So you and I are in the city of art, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's right. Big shout out to the artist community of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You got to have arts, I believe, is the motto. And, yes, we love the arts in this city. So anyone that truly wants to evolve as an artist, if you're looking for a city that will embrace you and embrace your talent, I'm definitely going to promote Philadelphia. Especially right now, Philadelphia is going through a facelift. A lot of people are are recognizing that. When you uh, visit our city, you'll see a whole lot of reconstruction going on, and it's marvelous. It's art in motion, a matter of fact. Um, and so if you really want to be a part of a city that's a living, moving organism as for change and as for, um, I would say, an upgrade, Philadelphia is definitely the place to be right now going through 2020 and beyond. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I'm going to sign off now. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your contributions, co-host. Queens of Poor Thalman, ladies and gentlemen, is signing out. And Queens of Poor, do you have any uh, literature that you want to recommend for our listening audience? Well, I don't have any right now. I was uh, right. I was in the middle of reading. I uh, think what is creativity? I don't remember mm-hmm. the. Um, let's see, I'm sorry. I don't remember the. Wait, hold on. I think I do have it. Okay. Uh, Ah, yes, the aha moment is mm-hmm. called Creativity, Flow, and the Psychology of Discovery and Invention. Okay. And, it's by, yeah, and the author is, I'm going to spell his name, M as in Michael, I as in Ice, H as in Help, A as in Apple, L as in Larry, Y as in Yellow, and the last name mm. is spelled C as in Cat, S as in Snake, I as in ice, K as in key, S as in snake again, Z as in zebra, E as in earl, N as in Nancy, T as in Todd, M as in Michael, I as in ice, H as in help, A as in apple, L as in Larry, Y as in yellow, and I as in uh, let's see, yeah, I as in ice again. Excellent. And that book, of of course, once more is entitled Creativity, Flow, and the Psychology of Discovery and Invention by Mihaly or Mihaly uh, Szent Mihaly. 
I'm mm-hmm. guessing that's how to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's why I spelled out his name because I can. It's hard to, you know. Um, this is nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, his last name is just hard to, you know, pronounce. Okay. Yes, indeed. Uh, great book. I'm going to add that to my in-house library collection. I just shared the information online with everyone because, yes, indeed, this is a must-read for every artist out there, for every one of you. It doesn't matter what genre of art that you you are a creator of or that you endorse because, you know, not every poet endorses strictly poetry. Some endorse other forms of art as well. So whatever you endorse, I want to challenge you to read this book because I guarantee you, once you have read it, it's going to change your mind about many things as for your talent and how to further evolve as an artist or artiste in general, because that's the goal. We want to continue in our evolution. We don't want to stunt our growth. We want to promote growth and to promote it to its fullest extent within ourselves first. Thank you so much, Queen Zipporah Thelman. Great book choice as well. You're welcome, Queen Fran. And I'm also still evolving because I'm working on my third novel in this urban fantasy series that I'm planning. Excellent, excellent. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. She's living proof. Mm. Artists do not grow old. We get better with time. Mm. We evolve. Yeah, it's a rough draft that I had, you know, was working on with the notes, and I had finished, you know, the um, one packet of uh, one set of uh, volume, eight note, volume 8 notebook of ideas, and so which is volume eight ideas, and so I'm still, you know, continuing on with the uh, rest of it. Mm. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you. We will definitely be reading this book, and we're going to promote it some more. I've um, posted the information on the Exceptional Scribble Show fan page, so anyone can find it there. Also, the event page for this evening, the information is up there as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to miss out on the chance to further expand and broaden your horizon. Keep looking up, keep moving ahead, keep studying, uh, stay, stay engaged with a literary artist forum such as this show because that's going to help you further build your knowledge base. And also it will continue to promote growth in you so that you can enhance your skill set and further evolve as an artist. We're not saying anything on this platform to hinder your growth. We're saying everything to promote it. This is the kind of forum you need to tune into and be a part of. And if you're not, we want to encourage you to come back. We're on the air every week. Every Tuesday, um, we're on from 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time till 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we do go overtime sometimes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and sometimes you got to do that. You just have to go there because it's necessary. You know, you want to make sure that you're giving everything that you can give because someone out there needs it and you want them to leave from having been engaged in the dialogue of this forum with more than what they came with. And so what we're saying also is you can find a lot of highlights. We do have a Twitter page, and that's the um, Exceptional Scribble Show. You can find us on Twitter. We're there. So if you want to comment, we have some information given. And I'm just going to share some very important uh, quotes that came from the exclusive interview segment, which was the first hour of the show from 8 till 9. We had Dr. Reverend Ah Shellarine Desacajo Lang on, and she happens to be the CEO and the founder of Desacajo Publishing, which you can go online to Desacajo, which is spelled D-E-S-A as in apple, K as in kangaroo, A as in ant, J as in jelly, O as in orange. Desacajo.net, www.desacajo.net. If you visit the Desacajo Publishing webpage, you will find a wealth of information there. There's so much good information. She's also, which we learned during the interview hour tonight, she's more than just a publisher or a CEO of her own publishing company and a published author of six books. She also helps people that need credit help or credit assistance, meaning if you are in credit debt, if you need help, and getting out of credit debt. You can visit the desacajo.net web page and find out all the information you need to know on how she is available to help you in doing just that because we know that good credit matters. (laughs) It matters, ladies and gentlemen. So... Um, she also made that known that she does assist persons in need of credit assistance. And I think that is wonderful because I think as artists, we're not just here to abound as an artist. We're not just here to publish books. We're not just here to become renowned talents in in the in the realm of literary art, but we're also here to build up the community. So whatever ails the community, and we know that credit debt truly ails the community, we should be about resolving that issue and doing what we can do to make that happen. So a big shout out to Reverend Dr. Shalarine Desacajo Lang. Uh, truly, it was an honor to interview her tonight. And what I'm going to say, our co-host has left. And we did have For Real the Poet. He was online. I guess he had to leave, or maybe he'll come back in. But it's now 1114. So we're going to uh, kind of wrap up, but 
before we wrap up tonight's show and before we have some final thoughts, and I will definitely come back to Elder Skysky Rio, I'm going to read... Mm-hmm. I'm going to read this poem, which is entitled Still I Rise. This is a poem by one of the greatest poets whom has ever walked the earth. Um, And I'm referring to Queen Mother. She's now an ancestor. Poetess Maya, poetess and empress Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may tread me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room? Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history, shame I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide. Welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise. I rise. I rise. Yes, and yes, I love, 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 love that piece. I love it, love it, love it. I tell you, um, whenever I recite that, I feel the spirit. I feel her spirit. I know she's with us. I know her essence still remains. I know that life continues. Hmm. I've never heard that poem being recited the way that you just did it. Wow. Such, wow. Such emotion and mm-hmm. powerful, powerful, powerful poem. Yes, indeed. Like the, it, it really is. It really is. I, I, wow. Sorry. I, I get chills. I get chills when I recite. I really, like I said, I feel her presence. I feel her spirit. I don't think... I'm doing it by myself. I know I couldn't do it justice by myself. So I definitely have to salute her, her spirit, her essence, um, the maker, life. And I just want to assert with that being said for our women, because this is Women's 
history, history, our story, mom. <laughs> As a yeah. woman, I have to say it like that. But um, we <clears throat> must remember our ancestors paved the way for us. And by chance, we find success in our lives. Um, and doing what we love is not because we pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We are literally standing on their shoulders. I firmly believe that. I do too. I firmly believe, I believe that. that. Yes, indeed. They paved the way for us. Well, Elder Skysky, um, might you have some final thoughts, some final words that you'd like to share with our listening audience tonight? Hmm. Today I'm kind of in a pensive mode. I'm mm-hmm. kind of listening. You know, I'm I'm taking it all in, you know, because it's all so 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 beautiful really. You know, and just just the protocol, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 expert expressionism. Mm-hmm. Just just hearing you guys, man, you know, um it's always uplifting. And I'm and I'm truly grateful, man, that I'm I had an opportunity to listen tonight, take part a little bit. Wow. Well, I want to say to you, I'm truly grateful that you extended yourself to connect with us on this platform because your energy plus our energy was just excellence. <laughs> you know, it it was it was excellence. I can't think of any better words other than exceptional to say about it, but we thank you for extending yourself and giving us encouragement, you know, via your input um, during the Publishing Tips Hour, even questions that you asked that I'm sure a lot of our listeners had in mind. You know, sometimes we have to be the spokesperson for others because there's that audience, they're afraid to speak on the air. I've I've uh, communicated with so many. So they'll come in the chat room and they'll ask questions. Or other than that, they'll just listen in and then they'll, you know, inbox me later and say, thank you so much. And there were some mm-hmm. questions that I had that was answered. And then I say to them, well, don't be a silent partner. You're mm-hmm. a part of this too. Um, this show is made possible because you're in the audience. We couldn't come on this platform every week without you. So feel yeah. at home. Be yourself and be comfortable. Take off your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I like about Farrell the Poet, um, he w- he did have to leave us. A lot of times, you know, he has um, limited time, like he said, 30 minutes, and he was just oh. so engaged in listening. So, um, you know, he kindly just, that in the background, but he's an awesome, awesome scribe and poet, and he's one of those consciousness poet poets, so whenever he spits poetry, it's going to hit hit your conscious mind and even seep into your unconscious, because it's all about things that are happening in society and how we can impact change. He's one that, that's a stickler for get up and do something. Don't just sit back and watch it happening in your community. Mm. Be an activist. Be a social activist. Get out there. Organize, you know. It's that old 
four-step process to success uh, statement. First, you educate. Then once you educate, you can organize. But you can't effectively organize unless you unite. And then once you unite, then you can mobilize. Then you can move out, and we can see things happening in our community. So we got to first educate, organize, unite, and then mobilize. Then we can see change, effective change, a change we can truly believe in, not just political rhetoric, but a change we can truly believe in. Because I believe that the change comes from within the community, meaning the power lies within the people. I do not believe that it is the government who is going to make that change that we need to see, that change that we want to see. I do not believe that. And I believe that if we're waiting on the government, it's like we're waiting on Superman and Superman ain't coming. Because we know, of course, Superman is a comic. <laughs> That's true. He's a That's comic true. hero, okay? <laughs> so we need not to be looking at the White House and looking for the Savior to rise up and save us from our tribulations and our troubles. We are our saviors. If we don't save ourselves, we're doomed, we're damned, and we're done. And that's just the reality. It's a democracy after all, man. It's a shame that it's not really carried out in that manner. That's it. Yeah, man. That's it. And I think... You know, this this political circus has been going on so long. We've been believing this 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 whole game, this 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 charade, and we've been thinking yeah. that we we can't do anything about this. They're really the ones that pull the strings. Well, of course, we know they've been pulling the strings, but that's because we have given them grounds to. If we're relying on them, we're doing everything the way they're telling us to do it, and we don't know that, yes, there are things that we can do. Right. And that's one thing I, I, must, I must say this, um, the Black Panthers for mm. the U.S. That's one of the things that they were, were uh, making great attempts to do to heighten the awareness of the people that the power – lies within your hands. Power to the people. There is something that we can do to make this thing change or to change this thing, to turn this thing around. And we've got to unite, though. We've got to unite. We've got to organize. We've got to be educated because we've been miseducated. And then we can mobilize. And it takes everyone coming together it takes everyone coming together and acknowledging that, yes, there's a lot wrong with the government that's been ruling over us. And um, excuse me, <laughs> uh, government, but we've been going the way that you've been telling us to go for so long, and it's messed this this whole society up. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's wrecked us. <laughs> it's wrecked us. We're tore up from the floor up. We need to 
reconstitute things now. We've got to intervene. You know, it's almost like a citizen's arrest, you know, is the intervention necessary now because you're not doing your job. You know, we got to be the whistleblower. And a lot of people are seeing also, in a sense, Donald Trump is in, in, in place for that cause. He's, He's turned the Republican Party inside out. They don't know what to say, what to do, just about they're in a frenzied state because he's the whistleblower. And he's saying to them, you're all wrong. Let me do it. Let me be your representative, and then something can happen that should have happened eons ago. Not to say he's right. Not to say I endorse him again. I'm not endorsing any candidate on this platform. This is not that platform. But I will say there's a method to his madness, but I think as the people, we need to unite. We need to organize, first be educated, then organize, because you need to know the know-how, and then you can effectively organize, and then unite, and then we can mobilize. Then we can make mm. things happen, because I think that's where we're at now. We already had the civil rights era. I don't mm. think that we should be repeating history. No. Nothing against people that want to march and rally and all of that, but I think we can do a lot more today because yeah. that was already done. Mm-hmm. We need to move Financially. forward. Financially, we could do a lot of a lot of uh, damage per se. Mm-hmm. We could pool our money, and if something's not working out for us, we, we, you know, we don't have to contribute to the the the, the system. We could right. hold off on it for a while, and they'll have to have to see it our way. That's that's it. Know. That's the I school wish, um, of thought. That's the yeah. school of thought. That's what. That's the way of thinking that we've got to transition mm-hmm. into being. We've got to think that way because if mm-hmm. we're still thinking that stinking thinking, we're going to move backwards instead of moving forward. Yeah, and that's not gone. what we should be doing at this rate. We're all guns, we're, we're, you know, we're out everything. So all we can do is basically come together, mm-hmm. love each other, embrace each other, support one another. And that's all people, not just black, everyone. That's right. Mm-hmm. All people, all of humanity. Mm-hmm. All of humanity. If you're humane, you're human, mm-hmm. you've got to see this. This is the way to get it right. This is the only way to get it right. We've got to unite. We got to educate. We've got to. We've got to do this, mm-hmm. and then we can see the way we should see. And the next generation won't be a sick generation that inherits mm-hmm. a lot of debt or a lot of. Emotional baggage that's not positive energy. We can see self-hate in. We can see Mm -hmm. a a new day where 
this next generation is a healthy generation holistically, mentally, socially, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Mm-hmm. And it's possible. Oh. And, and it's possible. Well, might isn't right all the time. Well, mm-hmm. might is, is that concept that, you know, that the dog eat dog. And that's, that's basically this country's concept. You know, dog eat dog, man. Mm. You know, it, it, regardless of how you get it, as long as you got it, you're up there. It doesn't matter how what what you come to bring to the world or anything or your contribution. You know, people who who do less in this country make more than the people who do a lot. You know, it, it, the the one percent or, or whatever they call it, two percenters. You know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't. I really don't know. I don't understand. I know this though that we need not worry. You know, if mm-hmm. people really see, see, you know, see this world for what it is, it provides for itself, man. You know, I, I know it's hard to say that because I'm living in a Caribbean island and the weather's always constant. It remains the same. But, like, I guess when you have to to afford heat, heating oil or to get your house with the AC or then ha- not having a piece of land where you could grow your own food, you know, mm. or, or put it, or even put up some solar panels that you don't have to rely on their 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 um how they distribute things and how they you know steal the money actually you know that's Make right all this you you really don't have to live to work you could work to live out here it, it's it's possible it's not impossible that's basically what people do in the islands you know you 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 know, you could get live enzymes for free trees mm-hmm. go all over. Food goes wild, man. And there's a fish. You can go fishing. But, I mean, mm-hmm. for the luxury of having, you know, you go to the store and buy your food, but you really don't need to, you know. Healthy living. It's not like you have to go to the store and always pick out what you need. You know, you can just go to your friend's yard or stop by the, a, a tamarind tree or something and, and get your stuff, coconut. So there is, there's a way. And as much as they say that there's this overpopulation thing, yeah, right. Look at all the land that's unpopulated. Places like, you know, all over America. South America, North America, Africa, Australia. There's land, man, land galore, you know, for everybody. But we just need to unite. Help each other. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, man. That we, is we need true. It, we need it mostly as a black black people. We're the most mm-hmm. hated, it seems like. Not just by them, but by our, our own, which is unfortunate. You know, all kind of class distinctions, where you're from, this and that and the other. Everything to divide us. You know, instead of us mm-hmm. change our mindset and come together, man. Just change it. You know, forget killing each other. Embrace each other, man. You know, we're not our enemies. We're all we have. I don't know. I'm just talking, man. No, 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 no. You're um, speaking of what we should give attention to and what needs to be addressed within the community mm-hmm. and, and and how we can be more effective for those because we do want to acknowledge, of course, there are community builders who are doing exactly what we have been talking of. That's necessary, mm-hmm. but there's not enough. Right. You know, strength is in numbers, even with positivity. 
you know, the more uh, positive energy evoked, the more force of the light um, to illuminate and emanate on earth. So we got to get more of us doing the right thing. And we can. And, you know, Mm -hmm. platforms like this, people um, just doing it, um, just staying one with nature like yourself um, on on the islands, as well as here in the States. We have a very strong community in the States as well who are naturalists. Um, that movement oh. is, is, is starting to expand here in the States, which I'm glad about. And, you know, it's all about staying one with nature. Okay. So, I think I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's various names. Um, you have the Yahuru, um, Yahura House. You have so many of them. They go, you know, various names. Some are faith-based groups as well um, whom are in the movement, just back to the natural way of living, you know, as for yeah. eating, you know, natural things and not, the synthetic, you know, with their processing and calling, uh, you know, with these GMOs and they're they're trying to sell us a bill of goods that's rotten. I mean, you know, if you eat things that are dead, you're going to, you are what you eat. Right. Um, Everything that's electric or alive is natural. It's not synthetic. It's not something that was Mm -hmm. created in a lab. And I think, you know, we've been kind of selling ourselves short, and I'm speaking for those who do, um, pride on, well, fast food because I can get it fast and I don't have to cook and this right. and that and the other. They don't realize you're you're killing. We're living organisms. You're, you're, you're killing yourself. You're cutting your life short, you know, and your children, poor babies. Um, they're not going to be healthy and fully, their brain functioning, it's going to be compromised because the diet isn't healthy and proficient for the brain. You got to feed your brain the food that it needs so that it can function uh, well. So it's so many things we got to educate. We do. We have to educate our community. And like forums like this, I'm working on a venue now that will be on Wednesdays. That will be, and we'll have it live where you'll be able to actually see us. And we're going to live stream it on YouTube. But we're working on having a venue on Wednesdays that will be in a physical building where people can come together, mm-hmm. share the art, promote uh, whatever um, published works they have, as well as mm-hmm. promote if they're a publisher, literary agent, publicist, and then also mm-hmm. just for enrichment purposes for literacy or literary arts enrichment, but also for spirituality enrichment because we're finding so many people don't pray and meditate or they don't meditate. They don't realize what meditation entails, which prayer is also a part of. Right. And they don't do it. So spiritually, they're not fat or they're not healthy. And a lot of this, this um, the warfare taking place in, in the earth right now, it's not just Physical or bio or chemical alone, it's also spiritual. It's true. Yeah, and and if you don't know, 
then you're not safeguarded enough. You're not protected. Your defenses are down and they're not up. Then you're subject to a lot of attacks spiritually. A lot of people are, are finding they go into the doctors. I spoke to some. They had all these tests. And the tests prove nothing's wrong with them physically. Though they're going through these symptoms. And I'm like, well, everything has a spiritual root because we are spirits. Right. We're electric. We live in physical bodies. So if the doctor's trying to tell you it's not a physical illness, then that means, okay, you got to start praying and meditate and find out what's going wrong. Something's not balanced. Spiritually, something's just, you know, you're open to some negative energy, some things that you shouldn't know. Something, maybe you're not aware of it, you have something in your environment that's killing you. Yeah. It's killing your spirit. It's draining you of energy. you got to find out what that thing is and get rid of it, remove it. And if you're not meditating and you're not praying as you should, you're not going to know what it is. And you're going to mm-hmm. keep Dying, 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 dying until that one day I've heard of people just not able to even get up out of bed and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's a spiritual root. There's something going on, and it's a spiritual root. It's not natural, especially when you go to the doctors. They run all these tests, and they confirm nothing's wrong with you physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's we got to so educate, educate our community. True, it's true. There's so much you could go so deep with that, man. It's it's so true. Mhm. It's so true, and the the road, you know, the the rocky road is just that, you know, because when when you call upon when these kind of heights, you know, it's it's a whole different battleground. Mm-hmm. It really is, man. It's, it's not. It's physically rocky. It's mentally rocky. Spiritually rocky. But you gotta you gotta stay there, man. You know, in the end is the the, the reward. Instead That's of right. you know, the other factor would be complete denial and and complete e- false ego for for you not to to see or just not even think about anything around you. You know, that, w- without the spirituality too, because I know some very cool people. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing bothers them. It doesn't bother them if their mother is sick. It doesn't mm-hmm. bother them if a dog is being abused. Nothing, nothing. Just them. That's all that matters. Mm. So, like a spiritual walking dead kind of thing, too. Wow. Yeah. So that that rocky road thing, man, the mm-hmm. spiritual thing, that that's that's powerful. And I, I can testify. Mm-hmm. Wow! Look at the size of this centipede, man. He's got it. My goodness, this thing is about 12 inches long. <laughs> I didn't realize you I'm were not... referring to a real um, occurrence physic- in the physic- physical plane. I thought you were still speaking about the spiritual. <laughs> no, no, this is a real wow. Just as we're talking wow. about that same thing, Missa. We're talking about negative spirits. Yeah, how this about was, that? And was, it just appears yeah. like that. Yeah, huge. I'm I'm sure it would scare you if you saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't like to to kill him, but he he's inside and not mm-hmm. good. No, I'm gonna ask my. You know what I'm famous for asking? What color was it? 
Um, I always ask what color it seems because, you know, colors matter. <laughs> okay, let me see. Let me get a light more. <laughs> okay. It's probably um, a, a reddish black. Oh, black. whoa. Reddish. We got some that yeah. very strong energy there, red and black. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes they're a little bit greenish, but this one. Right, right. This one here is. Generally, they run brownish, but mostly they they're black mm-hmm. and with red, red at their tips. Mm. There. Mercy, I was just sitting there too. Wow, I tell you, it's oh. always you notice these things always occur when we're talking about something that's very in eye opening, and you know, when enlightenment, truth, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like true. a distraction. But um, so true. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad it wasn't like a venomous um, insect or... Venomous, very venomous. Those things could kill you. Oh, wow. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, centipede can kill you, man, especially that size. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, they're they're... very venomous. Okay, okay. See, I'm glad I I mentioned that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And it was Very, very much so. Reddish black Especially if you're you're allergic to, wow. You have Mm -hmm. to rush to the hospital. Mm -hmm. This one would probably cause a lot of damage. Wow. So I guess, in a sense, light will expose things that are dark. So by us talking about light and Mm -hmm. evoking positive energy, that was revealed and you were able to see it so it didn't harm anybody. Yeah. So it's not a bad outcome. It's not a bad no. thing. It's, it's kind of like, re, you know, revelation. Um, so mm-hmm. now it's it's done, it's dealt with. It can be addressed. You saw it, you, you knew what you needed to do, and nobody's hurt. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Good outcome. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true, my wow. Hey, um, I was gonna ask you, Francine. Remember the the girl, or the, the the lady that I had um mentioned something. Oh yeah, about the subconscious being uh ninety percent. Yeah. Um, speak? As, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm waiting to get her to respond back. Um, she had. Intentions on joining us tonight, but something came up. So I'm thinking she'll be back on next week's show, and I'm going to definitely hit her with that question upon her return. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's yeah. ironic because she was the first time, that was her first time joining us in the chat room or tuning into our show. She had never joined us before, and she goes by the, her her pen, pen name is Truthy. Truthy? Truthy? Yeah, truthy. And I thought that was quite ironic because of things we touched on last week. Right. Yeah, and and truthy, that was her first time listening in, and she'll be back. And, um, yeah, I think things aren't a coincidence. Things happen because they're supposed to happen in the universe, and the universe reverberates, echoes, but it's all things that should occur twice, three times, four times. Um, I just think that was a sign, too. 
Yeah, it's that I we were so. in line with the truth and everything that we were talking about and saying. What do you do? Well, well, let me not say that because I'll be going off the subject. Oh, no. This dude is still alive. I'm going to try to save it and throw him outside. Okay. (laughs) Do they swim in water? I've never had any interactions with them up close. Yes, they can swim in water. I've seen them, how how they walk is pretty, pretty slow, but I've seen them in, in fighting mode, man, where they're, they're so fast, it's unbelievable. Wow. Scary. Yeah. Oh, my like goodness. Zipping, zipping along, man, the real way. So they're fierce creatures. I, You know, yeah. I guess the ones we see here, they're not the same mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. their, what's in mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't think so at all. These, these, um, I've seen them go into birds' nests and pull the the the, the bird out and and eat it. Oh yeah, we don't have those kind that tree here. Interesting. And the ones we see here, they're very small, and like you can easily smash them. I've not mm-hmm. known them no. to bite. Yeah, and this these ones are huge. They don't die easy. Wow. Oh, I'm still outside. It's like, oh, 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 oh buddy. Yeah. So what, are so, they uh, afraid of fire? Like, do you have to kind of create a little, like, what wards them off? I guess fire, since they swim, they're in water. That doesn't. Uh, let's see. They What they like is to get in a dry area. It rained here the other day, so. He just came in uh, looking for oh, a nice dry spot. He's looking for shelter. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I've been bitten by them many times, you know. Hmm. Uh, oh, my. Yeah, yeah, but um, I guess I'm not that, that allergic, or maybe it happens so much I'm, I'm kind of used it's to right, it. Right, built an immunity to it. Yeah. But, yeah, there's many things to look out for here, especially oh, okay. brown, brown recluse. There's a lot of those here, man. My friend just spent eight days in the hospital. Mm. I'm getting bitten by one. And what are they again? Say the name. A brown recluse spider. Oh, okay, the spider. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, to get some grafting off of his leg to put back on his arm. Really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, their Mm. venom is a... Like an acid that breaks down your 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 body so that they could come back and eat eat it. Mm. That's, that's their their way. Oh my! So if you get bitten and don't take care of it, your your flesh dies mm-hmm. you know, rapidly. Mm. So, wow! Oh my! That's a that's a lesson. That's a lesson for mm. us all. You know, we we just got to stay alert because <laughs> there yeah. are. Monsters out there, you know, mm-hmm. things that can destroy yeah. us if we're not alert and mm-hmm. we don't safeguard ourselves. Sometimes the spirituality comes into play with that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wards off things, that, although they they try to try to test you or or you know, it's it's just so real. It's mm-hmm. the same way, like. When we're talking about the deja vu, 
that that's so real. The same way things are, are real that you know you you might not see. You know, right. The wind, the wind is real. Mm-hmm. You don't see that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you've been French and you've been all right these days or what? Good, good. It's been really a busy season for me. Of course, now we're, like, leaving from the winter uh, season where I am um, on the East Coast in North America, and we're transitioning into spring. So it's like, you know, it's an exciting moment, you know, as for just seeing things awakening Mm. in nature and starting to see the budding of, you know, uh, flowers coming up, the tulips and the crocus is usually the first flower, which is the first sign of spring, and then you start seeing the tulips and then mm-hmm. the other flowers. And, you know, to me, that excites me, you know, just seeing nature awaking, um, you know, and I believe we in turn awaken, you know, as for things that we should uh, blossom into doing or mm-hmm. being as well during that time. So it's a good season. I'm I'm looking forward to a successful, fulfilling um, time this spring. And, um, you know, I'm working on a couple of ventures I have that I'm working on. One in particular is a uh, building uh, to have the show on Wednesdays where we can have it to air via live stream on YouTube, and it'll be probably yeah. from 6 to 8 or 5 to 8 on Wednesdays every oh. week. And we'll still be doing the radio show as well. But at least mm. you'll have that feel of seeing a live show where we'll have open mic, we'll have spoken word artists and poets perform, along with having literary art, Enrichment, so we'll have that time like what Queen Zipporah does for the hour of publishing mm-hmm. tips, but it'll be more interactive. You'll have people asking certain questions, we'll be giving information, and then we'll have experts, a panel of experts there. Uh, Queen Zipporah will, of course, facilitate that, as well as having others who are either publicists or publishers to share insight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to bring a live forum of this type platform and show on Wednesdays where it'll be a video uh, recording as opposed to audio. Mm-hmm. That sounds so exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it because I'll be working um, with someone who is an artist themselves and they have an actual business. They are a, um, I guess you can say a boutique. Uh, shop. They sell different items, not just clothing, but um, a lot of novelty items. So people come to their store for that cause, and then they have the actual room where they utilize for events. So I'll be utilizing their event hall room for the show, to promote the show on Wednesday. Wow. That's yeah. nice of them to let you use it. And I'm also excited because I'm in process of um, acquiring my, this would be uh, radio operator's technician class license, and uh, that's FCC approved. And once I pass that exam and obtain that, I'll be able to have the show 
um, the show will be licensed to air on various networks. Well, moving ahead. Yeah, so moving ahead, you know, expanding my listening audience and just getting the certification I should have and doing what I love. So I'm excited. This is this has been going on for a while, or is it something new? Well, this is actually something I'm just starting into doing now. Um, I just did the radio show going through TalkShoe. I've been doing that now for about a year. Um, So you know, I'm now doing uh, moving it to the next. I guess you could say taking it to the next level. Where I'll be able I to have, you. yeah, I'll be able I to. You. Thank you, thank you, and mm-hmm. and it's it's a good thing because I think um, I'll motivate somebody else that should do it to do it and let them know it's not as hard or as difficult as you might have thought. All it takes is consistency and persistence and determination. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, that's something. That's something. All by yourself, you kind of, you kind of had this vision, or something. Yeah, or yeah. You know what? I I did, but I took baby steps. Um, I first started off as a co-host, um, the actual host of the show, which I was co-host to, was um, Minister uh, Duke L was the name, and his show was entitled "It's a Family Affair." It came on on Wednesdays. And the show was from 6 to 8, and I was his co-host, and it, it touched on um, uh, good news reporting, educating the community on um, issues of life such as health, education, uh, religion, uh, the voting process, a whole lot of things. And that's, that was how I got my grounding. And I really, I got a lot of good feedback doing that, working with someone else with their vision. And then another opportunity opened up where through TalkShoe.com, um, I was privileged to be a co-host of a show entitled Positive Talk. And Positive Talk was just that. We did not mm. engage in any type dialogue that was negativity, the host held to that standard, and we touched on current events. Now, that show, it wasn't about art or artistry or becoming published. It was all about current events and addressing the problem to offer solutions. That was the mission, and that's what we did. I did that show as a co-host for about a year, and then um, after being a co-host, she asked me if I could host the show because she was moving to Miami, Florida, and she had a venue there, and and it was something that was taking up more time than she had to offer to do both things. So then I had my first experience of being a host. And from that, I knew the producer of the show told me, you can do it. And he had this speech with me and said, you know what you really want to do. Go for it. And... Mm-hmm. I believed him, but I knew it was time. So I started 
strategizing and writing things down as for, well, I know I want to do a show, and this is the topic. I want it to be called, um, I think the first title I thought of was Sagacious Sentiments, and sages, of course, that means wise, and it was all about wisdom. But I looked Mm. online, and someone else had something similar. I said, I don't want something that somebody else has. And then the Exceptional Civil Show came to me. So Mm. after that, it was just, it, it's all history, her story, my story. <laughs> just I, a I matter really like of time. It. I really like it. Like it Thank a lot. you. Mm-hmm. So it's been a journey, mm-hmm. you know. You take those baby steps, you do what you love, and you take those steps on that path, and, and it, it, it carries you where you need to go. I'm just grateful mm-hmm. to the Almighty that I on the right path, and it's taking me to where I need to go. And, you know, I'm I'm remaining a student with the mind of a student, knowing there's always more to learn, and I'm willing to learn what I need to learn mm-hmm. to grow. Always, always something to learn. Mm-hmm. Even a, a square foot of ground, if you... You know, you have a good magnifying glass mm-hmm. and, you know, just curious, curiosity. You could stay the whole day just looking at that, that ground and seeing the ants, seeing how they move. Mm. So I really, I feel what you, you're saying. I really do, man. Well, I, I love that you tied it in with a magnifying lens. And how mm-hmm. the very small details of nature, like ants moving around, and that magnifying then enhances that view. Yeah. So you can see it up close and, and study and learn from it. Mm-hmm. You can't be bored. There's too much to learn. Mm-hmm. Too much to do. Yeah, I agree with that. And then you meet interesting people like, Meeting you, meeting Zipporah. <laughs> and it's, it's ironic, Zipporah's mother and my mother um, were well acquainted first before Zipporah and I. And through my mother meeting Zipporah after having known Zipporah's mother, my mother listened to her and said, you need to acquaint yourself with my daughter. She has a show. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how. And then me and Zipporah, uh, my mom acquired Zipporah's contact information. I called her and we talked. And from there, um, she would call in the show and just share her insights and share um, about her writings. And then the next thing I knew, her and I was having a conversation off the air and we became very good acquaintances and, and now are good friends and more like soul sisters. And we started <laughs> discussing about the program each week. And, what, and I said, you know what, listen, I don't have a co-host. How about you come on the panel of my show and become my co-host? Well, she was delighted. And it was a good fit. So, see, yeah. things happen, you know, I would say un. Unbeknownst to me, you know, through her mother and my mother being acquainted, it was meant for, that was what had to happen first for us to connect. And so now 
the Exceptional Scribble Show has a host and co-host. Probably the ancestors had something to do with it, too. I believe so. I really believe that. I I know that. I'm going to go further than belief and say I know that. Mm -hmm. Because once we connected, it was like it was science. It was it was spiritual science. It was like we had already met. We were already known by each other. And it was just harmonious, you know, everything, the vibe, everything from that moment forward. So, yes, indeed. The ancestors have everything to do with that. <laughs> and so much more. <laughs> Those are yes, big indeed. topics tonight. Yes. Oh. about ancestors, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to pay homage and respect. We have to give honor. Um, mm-hmm. Angela Mayu. Mm-hmm. You, you, how are you enjoying your your month so far? As you know, Women's Month. Oh wow! It, you know what? It's been exhilarating because I've been in study about just wanting to know more about various women who impacted mm-hmm. our 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 world and in various ways. You know, from the arts, the sciences, um, the spiritual mm-hmm. communities. Just you know, so many. Um, ways, and it's been quite truly exhilarating for me. I've learned about some uh, great feminists, great heroines, mm-hmm. great women that I did not already know about, and it's been quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm posting, like, from week to week, at least three or four throughout the mm-hmm. week of, you know, just great women who have done some distinguished things. Mm-hmm. I have one for you. That you might want to look up. Okay, sure. And, you know, Queen Mary from St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, man, she she helped to free the slaves. Let a big revolt here. Fire burned, they call it. Mm-hmm. Burn, ran, ran burning down. Queen Mary, you'll, you'll find her real fascinating. You know, not too much people outside of the, the Virgin Islands or Caribbean know about her. Hmm. She's very... um. Also, let me see. There's another. There's another person that's from here. Ah, let me see if I can remember his name. Okay. I can't right now, but it'll come to me. Mm-hmm. He was. He was actually one of the founding, like newspaper. He started like oh. a newspaper, got it going and stuff. What's his name again? Um, Mercy, I can't believe I, I forgot his name. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I definitely would because I want to post. I try to post, um, you know, persons who have impacted uh, literacy in our world. Um, you know, oh. editors uh, information about them yeah. on our fan oh. page. So I would definitely. David Hamilton Jackson. David Hamilton Jackson is from here. Okay. You know, you know, you know of him, right? David Hamilton Jackson. Yeah, he has something to do with the Constitution and stuff, too, you know. Um, oh, yeah. He, really, he, yeah um, he's from... Okay. From, uh, yeah. Yes, he was a United States Virgin Islands civil rights leader. Yeah. Important yeah. figure in the struggle for increased civil liberties and workers' rights. Right. Oh, okay. Also, Queen Mary, man, you got to find her. She She's someone you'll really be interested in. 
Mm-hmm. They, they named the highway after her, actually, one of the main roads, the main main mm-hmm. road, not the real highway, but that's just named after her. The Fireburn, mm-hmm. Mary Fireburn in the Caribbean, the Virgin Islands. Mm. Yes, indeed. I'm definitely going to uh, post that on my wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, about Hamilton, we're going to post this mm-hmm. on our uh, fan page. When you come, you're going to see his house and stuff where he used to live. Where we, oh, okay. Where he grew up. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah, man. A lot of good things happen. Emil, Emil Griffith, the heavyweight boxers from here. Mm-hmm. Julian Jackson. Um, Tim Duncan's from here. The band Midnight is from here. Desiree's from here. We have all kind of artists, man. All kind of... What's that guy who they won the Super Bowl? He, he's from here. He's Ryan Bell or what, one of those dudes. Oh, okay. I don't know. Raja Bell or something. Okay. I know we had um, Raja. There was a, um, and you said Super Bowl? I think so. He, he played one of the teams that won, I think. Oh, Raja okay. Bell. See, I'm not in, up on it um, with the the the. Sport, the <laughs> the sports like I am on the other <laughs> subject matter. I'm not even sure if I have his name right, but man, this place is very popular. That and you know, a lot of you're gonna really like it when you come, man. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have a good time. Well, we definitely are looking forward to that and for it to um, fall through. Hopefully. We can do this uh, this year. We're going to have a a nice group to come with us. So, you know, we're planning to maybe make four-day, five-day, four- or five-day stay for sure. I'm going to try to get the um, Department of Tourism involved and see what they could do, you know, especially if you're going to do this show here. Mm -hmm. They should be able to do something, you know, make something really nice happen for you all. Oh, Okay. Thank you. <laughs> if not, well, cool, I'll still look out for you guys. We and appreciate it. To, yeah, they try to promote, you know, tourism and people coming here, so y'all going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Y'all going to be good. Yeah. Oh, great, great. We we mm-hmm. appreciate that very much. Um, thanks so much. Well, we're coming to our close for the show tonight. And what I'm going to say to our listening audience, on next week, which is March the 22nd, we will have the producer and founder of Kali Blue. His name is Isaiah Ike Staley. Isaiah Ike Staley. And our topic will be family business productions, and the focus word will be management. And, of course, the producer and founder of Kali Blue, Kali Blue is a entertainment productions and they do specialize in urban um music i believe hip-hop rap uh is the genre yeah yeah so we're gonna have a very hype show (laughs) you're gonna have a very good time very hype show i invited Um, a new member too so She's into that. She's a really good rapper. Oh, okay. Well, definitely let them know. Anyone you know that's interested in in that genre of music, urban and hip-hop, 
Um, we're going to have a awesome, awesome uh, show next week, and the producer and founder is located there on the West Coast, which is the more sunny side of North mm-hmm. America. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. they don't get all the, the, the cold uh, temperatures and the snow and stuff like we do. Uh, sunny California mm-hmm. stays just that. So um, mm-hmm. we're looking forward. We're looking forward to a a wonderful time. Um, this gentleman has a story to tell. He's seen both sides of the track. And he's um, one who is promoting people uh, getting up when they fall down in life, not staying down, but getting up and resuming life and doing well and not um, repeating past mistakes. So it's going to be a really good show. It's all about recovery, staying um Staying on your feet, standing, and being a community builder. And he's a family man. He has a wonderful, wonderful um, success story to tell. And and that goes without saying. Of course, we know anybody and everybody who's successful in life, they have a past. We all had to overcome a struggle. He's going to be sharing about the struggles he had to overcome, some personal, some um, just environmental, you know, based on your community, because we know some of us reside in communities that are at-risk communities, not meaning that we're at risk, but, you know, mm-hmm. we're the exception to the rule. So he's going to talk about how you can stay um, not contaminated, even though you might live amongst contamination. We know each of us, it doesn't matter where you reside, if you reside on Rodeo Drive, if you're in Beverly Hills, if you're in a castle, it doesn't matter. Contamination is not uh, strictly, solely um, segregated to just one specific class or community. It's something that happens all over, anywhere, everywhere. So we just have to keep ourselves alert and we have to keep ourselves cleansed. And it takes meditation, prayer. It takes spirituality, having a strong spiritual base. It takes being healthy. It takes physical fitness. You got to be fit. You got to be fit physically. You got to be fit emotionally. It takes mental. You also have to be mentally astute. And um, you just got to be strong in every way. Indeed, indeed. Yes. Mind, body, and soul. Yeah, adept. Soul, That's the I word. Think. Mentally adept. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, you can you can overcome a lot of things. You can once 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 you're fit, mentally, spiritually, physically, socially, socially, emotionally, you can you can you can be strong and you can be that conqueror and you can overcome struggles and you can help others. That's what it's about. Not just you succeeding in life, but others succeeding in in life because you're helping your brother, you're helping your sister, you're helping your neighbor. That's what, what is it? Saying. Tolerance. Tolerance, understanding, and goodwill. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. And you could you say that again? Repeat that. Um, tolerance, understanding, and goodwill. <laughs> yes, tolerance, yeah. understanding, and goodwill. Very mm-hmm. true. Three virtues, three powerful, mm-hmm. potent virtues we need to possess. And I think if you don't possess them, strive to, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It's never too late. Sometimes you count yourself out too early. Work at mm-hmm. it. You can acquire it. Yes, you can. Be tolerant, man. It's tolerant. Have understanding. Just have goodwill. Goodwill intent for everybody. Mhm. Success for you. Success for the listeners who you're reaching. Thank you. Making their lives better. You know. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks for all that you shared with everyone tonight. Um, so very important. I'm hoping that everyone uh, who's tuned in took notes because we need to grow out. We need to grow in first and then grow out, meaning it's an inward growth. Mm-hmm. And then an out it extends outward. And once we grow then our environment in terms can respond to our growth and promote in us the things that we need promoted. But we first have to grow within. Mm-hmm. It starts within. Take the sty out of your own eye first, though, before you take it out of someone else's, huh? That's right. That's right. By me loving myself, I'm loving nature. I'm loving the universe. If I don't love myself, I'm hating nature and I'm hating the universe. So I always look at how a person acts. That speaks to me loudest. If they say to me, I love others and I love myself, but their actions show me different. Then they are hater. Yeah. They are hater. You need some help. Yes, indeed. You have to be receptive for sure. You know, you you, you have to have this notion in mind that, wow, man, I'm so imperfect. You know, I, I, I need some growth. You know, I need to. But some people, thanks to the, the, the like you said, the digital age, you know, everything's there at, at their their hand. You know they don't have to have a quest. They can just press some buttons. You know they don't have to put effort to to get to get anything really. You know like in the day we open a book or have to go down to the library or go to the, a, a wise old person and talk to them. Yeah. No, you don't need that. You have know, people asking you for advice, and when you you offer them your advice, they they're in turn you know like contradicting it for, for stuff that they've seen on the internet. So so why ask, man, you know? You could learn from me just as well, you know. Everybody has something to offer to the table. So it's kinda sad to see. But like you said, you know, positive mm-hmm. you know, stay positive and That's right. Well ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna sign out for this evening. 
But before we sign out, we're going to hear some real talk. And um, this is coming from a poet. And this is a poem which is entitled Why I Love You. And I want everyone to listen very closely to the words because And the only pole I need to grab has a mic on the other end. My lips taste like a mix of lead and ink. I think I'm poisoned. And you can trust the speak button to smile, because I speak from the heart. And I speak with smile. This is a poet named Chanel Gabriel. Why I love you. I love you. Chanel Gabriel. My poem is entitled, Why I Love You. They say the human body has over 50 billion white blood cells. And I need every single one because you make me they say the human intestines run over five meters long. You're so full of shit. You are the fish that I would throw back, but for some reason as opposites, we attract. We show our admiration and love taps. I hate you, matches and sarcastic wisecracks. All the qualities of my soulmate, you lack. Your attempts at being romantic are simply pathetic. The last massage you gave me required a paramedic. The first time you cooked me dinner, I had to pump my stomach. And you just like to pick fights if I say go left, you go right. If I say it's day, you swear it's night. You still think our anniversary is the 10th of May. It's the 9th of March. The golden arches is the closest thing to jewelry I've ever seen from you. For my last birthday, you gave me a Twinkie with one candle. You wear socks with your sandals. You're a diehard Nas fan. I love Jay-Z like black folk and lactose products. We just always seem to disagree. You think Angelina Jolie is the epitome of beauty? I think she's overrated and her lips are crusty. You like six, you like six that are busty and I'm a proud member of the Itty Bitty City Committee. Now, I'm a country kind of girl. You like the city life. I'm a revolutionary woman. You think we should all be barefoot housewives. I remember the last time I cried. You said me. Wiped my eyes and whispered in my ears, baby, suck it up. <laughs> and I know it's bugs, but I still love you. Like Whitney loves crack. Because <laughs> for some reason, it's opposite we attract. And truth be told, that romantic crap usually doesn't last. But what matters most is that you compliment me. Like air through my lungs. And there are over a trillion nerves in the central nervous system. You get on every single one. <laughs> you know you do, but for some reason, that's why I love you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I think wow. that's a good nightcap <laughs> for tonight. <laughs> Peace and blessings to everyone. Just keep in mind, yes, indeed, why you love someone is beyond just what you like about them. Okay? <laughs> love is unconditional. 
Peace and blessings to all. Have a good night. Peace and blessings to you.